when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It's Monday, November 9th, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 358. I'm your host, Austin Walker. Joining me today, we got Patrick Klepek. Hello, hello. I'm here, waiting for the crust. Rob Zachney. <laughs> this is ill. Ill. That's ew. right. That's not going to be... That can't even be... I don't know if Kato was recording at that point. I don't know if that can even be an extra... Somebody people's. here has got it. I yeah. Somebody here has yeah. got it. Yeah, yeah Rob is convinced. Some, <laughs> some guy in Indiana is like, Oh! I got the crust. <laughs> uh, Rob is here. Kato is here. How y'all doing this morning? I, I, listen, we don't. We cannot put twenty minutes on the clock, but I do want impressions about <laughs> Four Seasons uh, total lawn care. So we still don't fully know how that happened, right? Like the working theory. Some... I saw on Twitter people were like, he thought he was booking the Four Seasons, and they yeah. fucked it up. Then I saw people being like, that's not true. But it does increasingly seem total like there may be no sorry. other plausible reason. Well, when Corey Lewandowski is out here saying like, people in Pennsylvania love to use the Four Seasons total <laughs> landscaping. They love it. And it's like, oh boy, this seems like oh. some backwards, working backwards spin. It's on. so funny. It's and the guy, so the guy, funny. The report, the report, the, the reporter who like couldn't get in. I don't know how they couldn't get in. Maybe there was just too many people. It's probably like vast majority of press covering this event. But he's like, ah, whatever. I'm just going to go to the dildo shop next door and <sighs> uh, like interviews the owner there. And he's like, I don't know what Trump is doing. He lost, man. This is just weird. And it was just like, <laughs> <laughs> there's a crematorium across the street. Just there's a crematorium across the street. God. It came out today. It's worth saying that there was a sex offender speaking at that event. Uh, one of the guys who they brought up who had claimed to have witnessed fraud is someone who has sex offense uh, in his background and has oh, then great. turned into one of those people who tries to run for office over and over and over again every year uh, mm-hmm. to the point where he worked on the Hillary Clinton, New Jersey campaign <laughs> as just like a local, not like in an upper rank yeah, situation, yeah, yeah, yeah. just as like a, you know, a body on the floor uh, to, to, you know, move to do stuff. Uh, and when, when asked someone from uh, New Jersey politics was like, oh yeah, Daryl. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we know about Daryl. <laughs> I was like, I turned on the news and there he was. So just Ridiculous. a weird fucking gadfly. Uh-huh. Well, of course he was going to end up with Trump. Of course yep. Trump would end. Like, who is who is in the bunker at the, <laughs> in the closing hours of the Trump administration? Of course it's Daryl, who has to inform the neighboring, who has to inform the other buildings in Washington <laughs> about his sex offender status. Yeah. Daryl going uh-huh. down to Capitol Hill being like, so you know, um, I'm a registered sex offender. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. To be clear, his name was Daryl. I'm not throwing all Daryls under the bus. Daryl Brooks, <laughs> is, who claimed to have been a GOP poll watcher, and is the one who said that they didn't allow us to see anything. So really just knocking it out the park, the Trump campaign. Uh, what a fucking wild weekend. The weird thing, been. 
we like I know basically that street with the sex shop and landscaping company yeah. and, the cre- and the crematorium and the probably the headstone place like also there <laughs> also there like, yeah yeah that is like oh, every please, it's called a town in America has they a, happen to make headstones <laughs> also yeah, they'll do <laughs> it as long as you're here yeah exactly you're in the area just but yeah you're right every the- small town right that's like I it's just off the highway yes it's, yeah. you know it's like almost an, it feels like an industrial park vibe but yeah, there's no there's no right exactly there's no production anywhere it's just this style of yeah 100% I've been through this place a billion times you know you know in but genre campaign, of place you know what this oh. is this was the promise of the Trump administration it would go to the forgotten places <laughs> and it would shine a light on the Things that are two streets off of America's main streets. Didn't know it was going to be shining uh, a flashlight, though. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing that the name of that place was Fantasy Bunch. Island Bookstore. Also, by the way, just an incredible, incredible. I mean, like name. a parking island, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just Jesus zooming Christ. in and looking around the rest of this area. Yep, dude. Dude, dude, forever marble, granite, quartz, and stone, a block away. <laughs> Rob Zachney. He never misses. He oh, don't miss. Fuck. I think here's the other weird thing about watching this all unfold. We basically knew Wednesday morning that like the odds of Trump winning this were actually like pretty like they were not good and they were diminishing fast. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of weird watching like I don't know. The, like the things can't be real until the TV networks like declare them real. And I understand part of this was the dread that like Trump would somehow dispute the election um, means that if people call it for him, it is or call it for Biden means it is less likely that that is disputable. Well, and, they, and they made the mistake of calling Arizona too early in some yes. places. And if, if that yes. that could have plausibly flipped, it doesn't seem like it's going to. But like you you saw like a path where. Ah, oh, jeez! Like it wasn't going to flip to Trump, but it would. It could have been like pretty disastrous um, yeah, yeah, in terms yeah. of like trust in institutions. It could have gotten into recall, not recall, but mm-hmm. uh, into uh, recount territory or something. And at that point, you're like, "Well, we fucked up. We have to walk that back. We've already declared Biden the president. Now, da 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 da. That that gets rough. Yeah, but um, it was just it, it was just a little weird to me being like. For all the things like should have like you think like we talked about how things changed after 2016, that there was still kind of this like um, pressure to be like they need to call the race. This needs to be, you know, Um, and that like Saturday became the day where it was like uh, like Trump's officially lost when like really it had pretty much been a wrap by Thursday. Yeah. Well, it's one of those weird things where it's like we know there there are things in the world that we know are socially arrived at that don't like. We can just say that at this point, if we all agree Biden won the election, he becomes president-elect. If enough kind of large social signifiers click into place and say, yes, we're reading this we're reading this event such that from here on, we're going to say he was the president-elect, even though there's still counting going on. We're just going to – it's time to, to do that. It's just one of those things that's like this is wh- – when, when do those people pull those levers to then say now is the time that we're all going to agree? Like we could have all stopped worrying about that part of the election two days earlier based on – And I, I did. But and I was on like did. on text yeah. message threads with because yes. I'd like read enough like number dives of you know the Nate Cones yeah. of the world and I was like all right I'm good like I'm gonna go and just like live my life and I'll wait go on a walk called. with sandals yeah with sandals oh, love love me a good sandal um even a bad sandal it's fine like that's yeah, better than fine. like any sh- almost any shoe on a sunny day um, <laughs> sandal but- wood let me burn it. <laughs> 
anything with sandals involved, honestly. <laughs> um, but like, like my mom or other people in my life, I had to like, we're constantly going back into like the worry wart. They're like, no, no, no. Like, because, you know, if you think from the perspective, like, normies it's like they see like oh he's filing lawsuits like oh god right, like right, this right. could go and like a normal person that's not paying attention to like 700 like you know yeah, uh, what politics the votes are on twitter where someone can explain whatever yeah th- this is not going to go forward because these didn't go forward like and i can see the matrix in front of me and how it's all fine <laughs> you know th- th- that's why those network calls are are important and actually why they waited as long as they did is probably also important because then it was allowed like my mom to call me like teared up and be like, finally that, you know, fuck yeah, that yeah, guy. Yeah. And I was like, you, okay, you can take it. You can, you can enjoy the rest of your <laughs> afternoon and evening. Like, you know, I, I, we're good. I, actually I mean, lots much, of things are bad. Yes, like, yes, COVID, we, we're yeah. over a thousand deaths a day on COVID again and just like ignoring it. But Dude. that guy, yeah, I, I very much stick to what I said on Twitter, which is like, we got a ton of fucking work to do. Um, but like we should, this, Getting rid of Trump is a step in that work, right? Like if you can if enjoy it, like you can have them on it. Let yourself you can savor that. the victory to Even get ready if, for like, the next fight. I think most of us were very critical of, of what Biden, you know, you know, uh, campaigned on. Uh, very skeptical about what policy work will, will look like. Uh, I think getting rid of Trump is a fucking clear net good. Um, uh, and I, I think at this, this point. Especially in this context, especially in the context of COVID, especially in in you know the the, the context of the place that America is at more broadly. Um, again, I think like a lot of folks, I'm very worried about what the GOP looks like in a few years and who they put forward. Um, we'll get there and we'll we'll work against that then. But right now, like yeah, I don't know who said I don't know who said it on Twitter. I want to say it was someone from uh, Defector, but if it's not, I apologize. But it was basically like. Who the fuck is ready for the first term of the John Kerry administration in 2020? Yeah, uh-huh, and I was like, uh-huh. yeah, that sounds. And it was, about with the, right. was it with the picture of John Kerry uh, windsurfing? Oh, God, <laughs> it was good. Yeah, but like uh, the other thing is, like in a very real sense, the election is not over. Like the yeah. election now continues in Georgia. Yeah, Georgia, hundred like, percent. Like this is a huge like what is possible in the next two years really hinges on what's what happened in Georgia. And I, I think it's, I don't know enough about Georgia politics to say like whether it's a done deal that like the GOP holds those seats. Um, there was a massive wellspring of democratic votes uh, mm-hmm. that, that came out of uh, Atlanta and other places in Georgia. Given the way and everything so, else went on, on Tuesday, it was there any inkling in your mind that there was a chance that like Georgia even like, I mean, I, I threw that out almost immediately as things started tilting in certain ways. I was like, well, all well, right. It's you and I were talking, mean- though, where, like, you might have been pretty drunk by then. Uh, but we were talking, <laughs> like, election night, and uh, we were chatting about TVs. But, like, then I was like, Patrick, hold on. Like, do you see the needle? Do you see what the needle just did? Patrick, yeah. do you see what the needle oh, just I did? Was, I was in the darkness, darkness of my mom's living room, like – the TV would turn off every like five minutes right. and Rob would be like, did you turn off the light? And like, no, the TV went into sleep mode. Mm. And then I'm like, I'm using my phone to talk to him on discord. And so I'm just like not checking. So he's like, Hey, all right, I know we weren't, we were supposed to talk about the bears and TV sizes, but did you see the needle? I was like, yeah. no. And yeah, it did. It started moving towards, towards Biden, which was surprising and still is surprising that he's going to pull it out. Uh, really quick on the, on the Georgia stuff. One, like if you were in Georgia right now, please you know, be mindful about when you need to get ready for this this uh, follow up, uh, which was in January, correct? January fifth, I want to say. Yeah, um, please look the, into the voter registration deadline is that? December seventh. I think it's early December. December. Yeah, somewhere it's early that's what December. I've seen. So please get registered for that and 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 go vote. I, and two, like to build on that to to emphasize why that is. I think 
Um, I think we talk a lot about we talk a lot about electoralism, um, but I want to like provide briefly a very a broader kind of way to think about history and strategy, which is to to note that that a lot of the ways we think about the world are we, we talk about them as if they're universal truths. And instead, it's important to understand that basically all strategy is contingent. Uh, like All action is contingent on the context in which it's happening. Um, and on top of that, it's important to think about change as um, I, I go back to, to Gramsci's wars of position, and wars of maneuver a lot. Um, for Gramsci, what we think of as revolution is like a war of maneuver. You push, you like attack. Um, but there's also a war of position. And for me, the place electoralism has at all is to be one of the many contingent strategies you use in the war of position. You're getting people in place. You're producing the possibility for future revolution in a sense. I think that is very clearly and pointedly what winning those elections could be because specifically what's on the table is about disenfranchisement, about making sure that we have the people necessary to open up the possibility for larger change down the road. Uh, and and it's rare that like the stars align such that I'm like the person who's like, go register to vote right now. But this is like so, so, so clearly one of those moments that will have clear material uh, impact on so many people's lives and open up the possibility, especially right now, for a world in which the people who are pushing the Democratic Party to the left have the opportunity to hold the center, the center's feet to the fire and say, listen, we have a window. We have a window to do what the early Obama administration failed to do and take, you know, serious action towards writing this fucking ship and making people's lives materially better, building, you know, <clears throat> solidarity, uh, you know, across class lines, building class power and making people's lives better at the end of a, a you know, in the middle of <clears throat> a, a pandemic. So, like, if there's ever been a, a time, if you're in Georgia right now, to get involved and make sure to, to try to swing this as best as you can, now is the time. Also, it seems as if the, the right might be eating itself for the next two months or so as no one comes to Trump's aid. And that could that could fuck the turnout in Georgia in an interesting way. So I, I have in a way a, I, I did a, not yeah. expect. Like, I yeah, I <clears throat> go ahead, Patrick. Uh, 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 that, I think the point is true. I think it makes Georgia one where I thought our best odds were. A 50-50, yeah. you can get one. A week ago, I, I, do, I definitely thought there's no I, way. I think you can throw the dice up and like, you know, I think it probably still leans red. It's tough. Like there's, yeah. there's yes. work to be done. It's not yes. going to be easy. But I think that uh, Rob had mentioned this on Twitter. And um, and so I wanted to throw it to the readers if they have, or the listeners if they have suggestions, is that um, – so like after the – like I gave a bunch of money to, to Bernie and then after that, there was so much money coming into the Democrats. I oh, didn't yeah. really see much reason to like contribute money anymore to – other than like my local candidate, like very targeted things that, that I thought – like, I don't need to give any money to, to Amy McGrath or no, like any of these. Like honestly, and Jimmy Harrison, who I you know wanted to him to beat Lindsey Graham, like he didn't need any more money. And if anything, yeah. the money at, at some point was probably hurting him. Um, but uh, like I'm ready to fucking give for like this. If I was going to give you know the money yeah, now, it yeah. seems like I want to do that. But like I don't I want to know like where if if there are obvious better ways to do that than it is to just like give it to the Democrats or to the the funds of Asaf or and. Uh, I'm forgetting the other guy's uh, name. Um, Warnick. Yes. Right. Um, are there better places? Like, are there like turnout? Like, seems like knocking on doors is a big thing that Democrats didn't do <laughs> for, in some ways, good reasons that bit them in the ass uh, um, by yeah. the end of the uh, this cycle. Like, those are the sorts of things where it's like, uh, those two candidates are going to get flushed. I'm not worried about like money. So then I start thinking, where should I put my money? And like, where are the targeted ways to do that? And if people have ideas that are beyond just getting people to the polls, the, give, yeah, getting, other yeah, groups yeah, or, totally. or like on the ground organizing that like, 
you know, my 500 bucks would like be better suited to like, I would prefer to, you know, swipe the credit card in, in their direction. But I don't, maybe some of that stuff will bubble up as this starts like settling in. But if people have ideas, I'm at least curious uh, to, to hear. Literally just saw this tweet. I don't know if this helps. So we can look through that, but there's a bunch of like different, uh, most oh, organizations that help people get to the polls and get people registered and stuff. Um, and also, okay. Rob just linked a thing. Also, yeah, yeah. Rob, where yeah. did you get this link? Yeah, so uh, this came from so our friend uh, Chef Lou Boo um, oh, yeah. reached out to an organizer in the Atlantic area, Atlanta area, King Williams, um, and sort of he sort of ran it by a network of activists uh, in the area. And uh, so this is, I think, the spreadsheet is generated by. Uh, they see blue Georgia, I think, uh, but it is kind of an index of a lot of uh, get out the vote organ uh, and community organizing efforts that were hard at work in this administer in this uh, election cycle. And what you'll notice if you go through the spreadsheet is it gets pretty granular as well, uh, right? So, like, what yeah. you get away from really quickly is a general, we're turning Georgia blue, we're organizing for the Demo- we're Democrats, we're organizing for Ossoff. And you start getting into uh, the Georgia Muslim Voter Product, yeah. uh, Latino Community Fund of Georgia. Um, and I do have, I do suspect that, like, in an election like this, mobilizing these sort of closer to the ground organizations is going to be really critical. Yeah, right. Uh, because mm-hmm. this is like these are the people who are there. Every person that can possibly gonna, vote yeah. needs to vote. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like a TV. Like me, my money funding vote. a TV ad or a Facebook like targeted post is not. I don't feel like that's like that's covered. Like that's yeah, the money yeah, will yeah. come for that. So you think about the early the kind of some of the early going states uh, in the primary and the ways in which bringing those uh, folks to the polls was a big part of like some early Bernie wins because it turns out that there are communities who want to be part of this process, but who have been totally kind of uh, ignored. Um, and so, or, or, or who again have material walls in terms of like, Hey, who's going to watch my kids right now? Who is going to right. help get us there? Uh, et cetera. Uh, and so like, yeah, working with those groups who are already in those communities, not people who are parachuting in is, is ideal. Well, and I think, um, you know, obviously, you know, Stacey Abrams Fair Fight organization mm-hmm. is probably one of the big orgs that you can give to and, and have a feeling that that's going to to get things done. I just do tend to be skeptical of the uh, the large campaign organizations just because, like, the Democratic Party has a lot of people whose careers are uh, trying to help Democrats win elections. And but they also want to get rich while doing it. And. I do like I, I I have become pretty skeptical of what happens when like local campaigns become heavily funded and begin interacting with the national party. Well, um, at some point, it's like they they're not going to give up too much money. They're not going to start cutting checks to smaller groups. But at some point, you can have too much money and not not have like there's no effective way to to spend it based on like the group's goals. And so that's why yeah, like I think Stacey Abrams is pro- like probably going to do okay. <laughs> like, you know, I think she's going to get plenty of money. So that's why I just was like thinking through, like, yeah. it's nice to have this spreadsheet, but I also then look at this spreadsheet and I'm like, well, now I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> I need someone to highlight this spreadsheet and tell me like this, is, you know, kind of like, what is it? You know, it's kind of like act blue and stuff where it's like, you can like pick where it's, it, you know, like spread it across a bunch of different places. And maybe that stuff is going to pop up and I'm anxious about it, you know, too early, but I'd rather be anxious about it too early. Cause I, it, it truly is like the difference between Biden just being like a boring shield for four years and Mm -hmm. 
even just low hanging fruit, like, you know, you know, buying into Medicare and like a voting, like expanded voting rights. Like, I think those things are possible with like a 50 split and like that shit all goes away. If you get the very least stuff, that. Mitch McConnell inside a locker with, with 50 <laughs> votes, oh, please. Um, you could be like, uh, you know, move to shove Mitch inside a locker and not let him out, even if he has to go to the bathroom uh, and just by acclamation, uh, pass it. And then just like, bam, into the locker. I, I, I think a lot about the failure of our like social studies and history curriculum that I don't know the name of anyone historically who has been a Senate majority leader as influential as Mitch McConnell, because I know those people have existed throughout history. And I'm obviously not like a U.S. Uh, historical scholar. And if I was, maybe that's something I would know. But the idea that like in 50 years, if people are not teaching what a fucking scumbag, a successful scumbag Mitch McConnell has been over the last, you know, uh, uh, since since this decade, especially. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, but especially this decade, especially as he kind of really started to ride uh, in, in 2010. um uh, it's a failure of of education because you you don't understand the degree to which this motherfucker has shaped not only the discourse but people's lives by being an obstructionist uh, for the last decade. Uh, I want nothing more than to see him on his ass before he decides to retire. Like all I want is for him to go out on an L so bad. I mean, I I think I think one reason he's been able to do this is. All of us are taught in social studies that, like, one, the Constitution was a design of intention. Not yeah. They tell us they're compromises, <laughs> but they also say it's good compromises. Yeah. Right? Like, uh -huh. You know, it's good that the small states had equal representation. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it probably is. Those poor little small states. States are people, too. States they are shouldn't people get too. bullied by, <laughs> by them big states. I'd hate that. I'm little. I'm a child. I'm a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> then, you know, I, but I think... What you have to confront with, with McConnell is he's a guy who realized that, like, the Senate is an institution that by design was already going to check the mm -hmm. democratic impulse in, in this country. But then also realized it presumes a lot of good faith and goodwill. And if you have an actor in there who just decides, I am going to use all these tools in bad faith. Um and I'm just going to fuck it up that way. There is nothing to stop that. We're taught – I was taught that the filibuster made some kind of sense as a kid. You know, one of the things about the Senate is they have a oh. filibuster. Um, oh. So that like, you know, really important things, they have to be passed by overwhelming majorities. Right. Uh, also not in like, the Constitution, right? That's just an invented fucking rule. bullshit rule. measure. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah, – but yeah. that I think if you were to ask most people – Oh, and yeah. And this is even true of me until someone like pointed out in a Twitter thread. I just assumed. I was like, oh, like, oh, that's why it's such a big deal to get rid of it. Is because like geez, you're like changing kind of a fundamental part of the the structure of like the, the foundation of this country. Like, Remember when no, you found out about some blue shit slip made process? The the if a judicial nominee has a senator from his home state say, hey, don't promote this guy, then he just doesn't they get just advanced didn't. to a vote. It just doesn't yeah. happen. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and McConnell just like, said, what? Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Uh -huh. Like. Is the senator from your state like the fucking feudal lord of, <laughs> yes. uh, of, your, Look, of your state? I, I, do, I also think about this a lot, which is I grew up thinking about states as a as a very distinct thing, as being really big counties, right, or something yeah. like that. Um, and in fact, there were we are a federation of nations, 
Uh, they are states in the word that we mean state when we refer to, for instance, a country. Uh, and, and obviously this is, this is inside of a federal system. But when you start thinking about them as little fucking feudal states, a lot of things click into place around the ways in which laws can be different, the ways in which local powers are given a great deal of authority in this way that is like, you know, not not just uh, because they are there to represent what people have voted for, but in that exact way where they can just kind of by fiat make certain decisions that really affect a lot of people. <laughs> it's really absurd. Our system is, is a little fucked, it turns out. Um, anyway, we should end our politics a minute. Thank you for <laughs> talking for exactly – what did I say? Five minutes. Uh, and we can talk about video games now. Um, we'll see what this week holds. I'm, I'm better energy in the air this week. You know, I feel like we got some sleep. I think it's going to be okay. Uh, do we uh, get fed Patrick? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got some sleep, <laughs> but if only I had something to snack on. So you want, you, how where do you want, what, what part of your body do you want to turn into a cheeseburger? That's you a problem. Oh, that's holy product. shit. Is that in the cards? <laughs> holy shit. Yes. All of it. Your teeth, your nose. <laughs> Please, your, your head, I'm Zach, your the arms. cheeseburger person uh, fan, fan art. I'm begging you. <laughs> <laughs> Look Please. up the mayor for Bug Snacks. He's in prime in a lot of the trailers and the yeah, screenshots. Uh-huh. Rob would be that oh, mayor. He'd be the mayor, and he could be the, the mayor cheese. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you put cheese? Do you put cheese? I in cheese mayor Rob, Rob I can see being someone who says no cheese. I typed Mayor Rob Zachney instead of Mayor <laughs> Mayor Bug Snacks, so I'm already off to a good one. Wait, this guy looks like he's bummed out, though. Patrick. He is. He is. Well, it, things are not going well in okay. the, the world of, in, on Snack Tooth Island. Uh, Bug Snacks, which in a different timeline, we briefly talked about on last Friday's podcast. Until then, I like looked at the specifics of the embargo and went like, maybe I said too much, and yeah. God, maybe you need to delete that. Um, and so... Uh, yeah, this is a, uh, a launch title for the PS5. It's also available on PS4. You will be just fine uh, on whatever platform you play it on. It's also coming to PC. So I don't need a next-gen console. No, no, you do. No, no, no. This is not a, not a this technical not taking, showcase. This is not taking uh, full advantage of the powers of next-gen technology. No, if, if anything, it makes you, like, slightly worried about every developer having to somehow support 4K, 4K and being like, well, some of these engines are going to struggle even with basic geometry and small environments to hit those. At, like, Bugsnax doesn't have, like, terrible frame rate issues, but there are, there were moments where it's like, oh, I can see hints of how this is going to go wrong in some ways um, with this big push for 4K when sometimes developers have trouble hitting, you know, you know, 30 frames a second on, on 1080p. Anyway, um, it's the new game from the developers of Octodad, um, which, uh, like, they're such an interesting studio for how long it's... It's been, like, a whole generation, like, since they've released a game. Octodad was a... Uh, the developers, Young Horses, based out of Chicago, which is cool, one of the few developers uh, out here. And uh, they... Octodad was a student project, which then got polished up and expanded into this uh, really, you know, quirky game from from last generation. And they ported it to fucking everything. And, like, it was popular everywhere it went. And that kind of, like, afforded them this opportunity to kind of just, like, tinker away at a bunch of different ideas. I wrote a story some months back that um, uh, they tweeted the idea for this game seven years ago 
when they were just like goofing around, like before they had become more of a known studio and they were just tweeting out ideas with Eric Pope, <laughs> formerly of Harmonix, <laughs> now of Ubisoft. And was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, what if you made like a game? It was like Pokemon Snap um, and, and some other things. And I tracked down that tweet. I was like, oh, you, this is what this game is. Bug Snacks is you end up on this island because of a um, – you're a newspaper reporter who gets like a tip. Like, hey, you should come to this place, Snack Tooth island um and so there's like some weird research going on here you should see see what these bug snacks are and you know blow this whole thing wide open and so you go out there um you're on this like kind of like airship thing and um a uh what i can only describe it's in the trailer but I, what i can only describe as mothra combined with a pepperoni pizza um that one is wax. me that that is the <laughs> that's one you that okay so, so rob is mayor cheeseburger uh-huh. austin is uh, uh the the pepperoni Pepper- mothra yeah uh-huh. uh Name the name. Oh, that's the, name my, the name of my new LP, my hip hop the pepperoni Mothra. Pepperoni Mothra, you already know what it is. Um, you already know what we eat. <laughs> you already know what we eat. Italian meats and cheeses all day, nigga. Um, what uh, and I was also gonna say it's a good PSN name if you ever wanted to change from Mecca Mothra to Pepperoni Mothra. That would actually be. I, I gotta like turn over with a generation. And- yeah. Uh huh. Find the pepperoni on my wall the same way that I named Mecha Mothra because there was a Mecha Godzilla and a Mothra uh-huh. in San Francisco. <laughs> anyway, Very so there creative. was a pepperoni Mothra there. And it knocks you off and uh-huh. you stumble upon this like really kind of decimated town on on, on uh, Snack, Snack Tooth Island. Um, and you meet the mayor and uh, they reveal to you that, you know, ah, like we have this community here centered around our love of bug snacks and some things went wrong this scientist went missing and everyone kind of left and I need you to help me get everyone back to town and try and solve this mystery and, you know, what's going on with these bug snacks. And the bug snacks are kind of what's been the focus of like their marketing and the trailers um, in which they are like little, like different bugs, you know, ants and you know animals too, um, combined with different food groups, not food groups, just foods, cheeseburgers, hot dogs, um, strawberries. So the important um, thing here is these are, these are not ingredients. These are not, Mm-mm. Like vegetables. These are creatures. Or, These are living, breathing animals. Sorry, I mean that the food objects. Oh. It's not just strawberries. It's it's finished foods. It's final it's cheeseburgers and french fries. Yes. It's yes. not beef and <laughs> and No, so yeah, potatoes. sometimes it's base things like a like a, the strawberry is this thing called strawby. Every time you oh, every good. time you capture them. I think they, we found out speak. what Patrick is. Uh like it's it's a little strawberry that like kind of you know just it just kind of like uh, putzing around in in the world and goes in a circle. It's it's you know it's one of the less intelligent. Oh, well, that's you know well, I don't know. Wow. I, I want to be a strawberry. Um, <laughs> no, I would be a very cute strawberry. So I'm I'm you willing to. You would be to, very cute. Yeah, you gotta get, uh, yeah, you gotta get the hair. Well, one of your on tools in the game is a is a strawberry in a in a in a uh, a globe that you can point uh, like a an air uh, point a, a red light like a cat and it will go after it and you can use that to kind of lure a different. Um, creatures around, but yeah, it's like, yeah, it's sometimes base ingredients, but it's oftentimes it's, you're getting, um, it's just a hot dog, but also happens to be like an ant and it, it kind of, you know, goes about the world and everything is some sort of like food and, and bug mashup. And, uh, there's like a couple different, like what you're doing in the game primarily is you're going to these different, it's first person, you're going to these different sort of biomes where there are different uh, sort of creatures like there's a desert area, there's a wintry area, there's a beach area, um, and you have a, you have a camera that you can take out. You take pictures 
Um, you don't save those pictures. It's not like you're doing like a gallery, like Pokemon um, Snap. Um, although you can take you know pictures using the the social functions of the controller. Um, but you take a picture, and then it like gives you a hint about their behavior, and then it also mm. will map out what their sort of like uh, like walking pattern is. And you can disrupt that, but basically you can always see where they are going to go, and it's always like kind of in a circle or like in a kind of set behavior. And then you're tr- and it also shows you their likes and dislikes, and their likes can and dislikes can be other animals or other creatures, other bug snacks. Um, it can be uh, different flavors. So you also, one of the other main tools is, um, you can, you stock up on ketchup and mustard Mm. and barbecue sauce and all these different, uh, condiments, uh, and they will have different reactions to those. And so a lot of what you're doing is trying to figure out, um, what are their behaviors? What can you do to kind of entice them towards this Mm. trap that you can set down and you can, and you can capture them. And the example I point to, um, in my review that went up today was <clears throat> that uh, there's this sequence where you're in a desert area and there are these two. Uh, I'm gonna I want to make sure I pull up the description because the writing on this is uh, very funny. Um, but you come across these uh, two hot dog licking uh, things. They are called. Uh, where is it? I got it right. Yes, a weenie worm. Which Ah, Bugsnax describes as a lazy little worm. It's only motivated by ketchup. Which, as I point out, like, look, some of us like ketchup. I get it. Ketchup. Um, But so there's this sequence where you uh, come across these two. uh, It's a variant of the uh, the weenie worm, and that's often what will happen. Is like you'll find one version of this creature, and then you'll find uh, some version of it that acts slightly differently. Okay. This in this term, so the the weenie worm looks like a hot dog. And then when you find the shy weenie worm, it looks like a Chicago-style hot dog, which, if you're unfamiliar, is like a very specific <laughs> variant on the hot dog. It, it is a hot dog in a poppy seed bun with yellow mustard, onions, relish, dill pickle, tomato, peppers, and celery salt. It's, I mean, it's it's like a deep dish pizza. Like, you're basically throwing a whole meal on top of this hot dog. I do not personally care for the Chicago-style hot dog. I'm a basic ass, like, put some ketchup and mustard <laughs> on a hot dog. But I don't, I don't fight it. Like it's that, that, that is, that, that is what it is. It's the Chicago style hot dog. And so, um, the one rule with the Chicago style hot dog is you don't put ketchup on it. And so this is important because when you come across the shy weenie worm, you notice that the difference from the regular weenie worm is that it hates ketchup. And so you get into this little area where you've got two of them and they're kind of going in circles. They're not doing anything to one another. And what you need to figure out is like, well, okay. Uh, all right. So I scan them and it says, Hates ketchup, loves mustard. So you look through what your tools are. It's like, well, I don't, I haven't gotten to the biome that lets me collect mustard yet. So I can't, I have nothing. The easy way to catch a lot of the creatures is to uh, spray the, like, you know, the condiment along the ground. Yeah, just throw it all over the ground and they make their way to the, to the trap and boom, you're good. And in this, in this case, you can't do that. And so I'm sitting there kind of racking my brain. What am I going to do? Okay. hmm, I'm looking around. I'm scanning them again. And you have these two shy weenie worms. They don't like ketchup. And I was like, all right, let's see what happens. And a lot of this game is just like, let's see what happens. Like, it's just like throwing shit around and then like seeing how the AI responds to it. And so I toss ketchup on top of one of the shy weenie worms. And again, you don't put ketchup on a Chicago style hot dog. And this other shy weenie worm looked at this motherfucker and said, no, 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 no. Get out of here. Like you are not welcome in this territory anymore. And the the other Chicago style hot dog attacks the other one, flips him on his back, knocks him out for 10 seconds, which allows me to go over, uh, collect him, um, and I can go on my way. So uh, 
it's like an instance where there's a lot of layers to that joke, yeah. but I think it is indicative of the sense of humor of of Bug Snacks, and, it, and that's sort of like is uh, goes hand in hand with the other part of it, which is it's also a game about what is it like to build a community? What is your individual role in a community? It is, you know, there are all these nice side stories about um, being in long-term relationships and the ups and downs of that, like, you know, uh, expressing one's like feelings to friends, you know, working through uh, uh, identity and queerness. Like there's a lot going on. Like I, I like into just sort of a uh, kind of a good Pixar movie where like, on, on, you know, it's kid accessible. It's this really is in a lot of ways a, a kid, a kid game. But it has a lot of really interesting storytelling uh, happening uh, on top of it, and it has the most a, a really strange ending. It is a, a yeah, yeah. A, uh, an ending for the ages okay. that is worth hmm. seeing. So it, does, but, it doesn't have like a "Don't hug me, I'm scared" like harsh side turn into horror. It's just no. Like, and every actually, time I watch this that, game, I'm like, this feels like there's a turn coming. Do you know what I mean? So there is. Okay. Y- yes, I, I will say there. There is like the, that's part of the ending. Is okay. um, there is a turn? There is. There is a surprising. turn. Okay. But I, I, you know, I, I like. But you. it's kids friendly. But it is kid friendly all the way through. Yeah, and I don't think the kids are gonna pick up on truly how demented the <laughs> the ending. Uh, okay, is. I love it. Um, oh, I'm not sure you want to talk about it with your kids and explain it, but um, it's fine. Like it's not ghoulish, or it's just it's. Okay, sure. All right, that's what's been going on here. Fine. Um, because I guess I should uh, lay some of the groundwork for that. It doesn't spoil anything. But like, you know, what these uh, people have been doing on, on Snack Tooth Island is they eat these creatures and then they adopt their characteristics. So you, you eat a, uh, I forget what the, the fry is, but like there's basically like a, he's got a, like a ketchup, you know, I mean, you go to a fast food place and you get a little paper cup of ketchup. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. its head. And then he's got fry sticking out of it and he uh, goes around. And when you, if you were to eat one of those, um, then your arm or your leg or your teeth or your head, like all those manifest into a fry in some degree. So all the people you're encountering have all sorts of food characteristics. So they, they are obsessed with eating these creatures and then adopting their physical uh, characteristics. So it's like, you know, you walk in, you're like, well, there's a weird dynamic happening here. What are these, what are these people doing exactly? Um, But it doesn't, uh, I I had some people ask on Twitter when I, after I tweeted my review was like, well, I got like body horror vibes from this Mm. game. Does it go in like a spooky, weird direction at some point? And some of the trailers kind of hint at that. Like where it's like, Hey, there's like a, there's some weird shit happening around the corner. And like there is, but it's it's played for laughs. Like it's it is always goofy. And like I was I played, you know, a couple hours it with my four-year-old, and like she got such a kick out of like, okay, I'd ask her, which one do you want me to go catch? And then we go catch it. And then we go feed it to one of the the people in the town. And then we could pick like, you know, which arm turned into a fry. And like she found that to be like absolutely huh. hilarious. Um and so there's that that part of it going on. But it's not a it's not a, a horror game. Um I mean it's it's weird, but it's not it's it's not gross in in that way. Uh, here's a unrelated question. You know yes. those little paper the paper cups for ketchup. Mm-hmm. Do you know that those expand? Have we talked about this? What? This just blew my fucking mind. I want to share this. You don't. You're not supposed to well, like, dip. Are, are those like full like yeah. origami? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you what? unfold it so that you get a broader dipping. Which surface. I've never done in my life. I've done it once. I've I read never about seen it. it. It's, it's never seen a person it's do this. Wild. Yo, one second. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Please. Here, I'm gonna copy this video. Here, this video is called "Paper Cup Trick: Perfect for Onion Ring trick? Plus Ketchup." I don't appreciate the onion ring and ketchup. That's not, not a me. Trick? This is just how this they is work. A trick. 
Uh-huh. But I this but, but lots of people function. don't know this, Kato. Look at how broad, look at the uh, big dipping service that yeah, well, you get I, by I, opening I, it up. Yeah, I come from a family of six, so like we already needed like three of these things and for uh-huh. in order for everyone to be able to get at it it's from great. around the table, we had to open them up. Like look at we, how we look never in my life since yeah. I was a child. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's so much space. No. Rob, you look you look, look confused. <laughs> Just incredible. Just yeah. incredible. Look at that. It, it, you think you can't learn something new in life? Uh-huh. <laughs> Look at this. Uh-huh. I was like, that was like a fucking coffee saucer. It, it really like, does. Yeah. It truly does. It's Get huge. in there, my dude. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Look, the, uh, the video I just sent down, you've been using ketchup cups wrong, uh, shows you can fit twice as much ketchup in if you unfold it. He pours them into two different little ones, and then he pours both of them into the big one, and it all fits. Oh, I'm watching and him. That actually. is socialism, baby. See, right now our society—it's all folded up. Got to, got to keep it in that it narrow. You got to just stove pop it, stove pipe it up to the top. But if we unfold it, oh, we can all get that dipping. We can all and get our dipping. We can dip, get dip more things with broader shapes for broad for broader <laughs> for, for broader people for broader like reach. Us. Yeah. God. Uh, Not just well, the tip of the wing, my friends. The whole bird. The whole goddamn bird's going in. Oh, uh, that buck snack sounds good. That's that sounds good. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, yeah, calibrate your expectations. Like it's it's just one of. The, I, I don't. Think that sounds less good, Patrick. We, we were no, in no, good no, no, place no, 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 no. I just I. The marketing has been like a little bit strange. Like I, it feels like a game. You when you play it, it feels like it's been development for a long time. And I and I mean that not like it, it's just. It's a strange game. I really, really like it. I was, I was really surprised by how much uh, I did like it to the point that um, when I got to the end, there's like a very clear like, "Hey, this game's about to end. Like, go do your shit." And I was mm-hmm. like, "Well, I'm looking at the time I have this week and the hour. Like, I had a, I had, I actually like wrote down how I was going to spend each of my mornings and afternoons so I could hit all of my deadline targets, and I managed to do all that, but." I did not have room for go do the last like four side quests in in this game in order to do that. And so I said, ah, well, sometimes that's the nature of reviewing is you have to play these games a little bit differently. And I'll just go to the end game so that I can see the ending and and start writing about it. Um, uh, Because it does uh, these days, at least like, you know, a lot of games will caveat that with. But by the way, you can come back or whatever. Like, you know, don't sweat it like you can Uh you can see the ending and then work your way back. Um, And uh so when I got to the end credits and then I you know hit continue, I was delighted that I it brought me back to like before cool um like the the end of so the you game can sort of go kicks do off. that stuff yeah you can go back and, and clean that. it out because um I, I I like I really enjoyed all the little tangential storylines with the, the different characters so uh yeah it's right but yeah also it is uh kind of a through line of our next gen coverage has been yeah like you can get a lot of these games elsewhere and they. Like uh, Tariq wrote, reviewed uh, Miles for Polygon, and I remember seeing uh, him talk about how he didn't have a PS5, and I was like, "Well, how did he review that game?" He's like, "He reviewed it on a base PS4, right?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's fine. It's right. beautiful. There's um, gonna be lots of load times, but who cares?" Like, yeah, there's like, yeah, these like quality of life things that are a huge part of the, the sort of like the next gen improvements. Like, yeah, yeah, it's does it suck to wait 45 seconds like fast travel? But you can, and like you'll be fine, and like bug snacks. Is just fine on a P. I didn't play it on a PS4, but this is, there's nothing to suggest it wouldn't be. And when this comes to Switch a year from now, after the exclusivity probably expires with, with Sony, um, you'd you'd be just fine playing it on like wherever it shows yeah, up. Yeah, this this hits something that I think I haven't seen talked about, but is 
good. Um, uh, uh, this shift towards, I mean, obviously we're in a con- we're in a launch window, which means there's going to be lots of these kind of crossover, cross-gen games. But you know, Microsoft has said uh, that they're going to continue releasing some stuff on on the Xbox One for I'm, a while. I'm willing to start putting uh, if I, if there was a predict it. Yeah, when do you think it? I is? might predict that maybe the Xbox One original launch like starts getting. Yeah, I, I don't know so if Halo Infinite is coming out next, for that thing in the next year or two, probably or yeah, next two years. Yeah. Next like holiday, that. I think you start seeing. I don't know if that Horizon game ends up coming out to the PS4. To the base like the PS4, said. but I, I yeah. would like it too. I would like it. I, I would too. Because let, release one that runs like shit, right? Or doesn't run particularly well, but gives people the option to play it. I totally. think that is less no ray tracing. Maybe it doesn't look as good, but can I still play it? Can I still right? How many people like as kids, especially like you don't you don't have or just people who like don't have a lot of disposable income? Again, five. You've I've said this a bunch of times, but like I only got a PS4 when I had to get one for work. Uh, because I was going to review Battlefield Hardline. I could not afford a PS4 before that, and they sent me a PS4 copy of that game to review. I needed to go buy a PS4 to do that job and basically not even make as much money as that would cover the PS4. But it's like, well, well now I, I, I got other types of games. That was five years ago for me. You know what I right, mean? When I, was was giant, when I was at Giant was Bomb before... Before I got a PC, which I've told the story before, but like a fan sent that right. to me because they were tired of hearing me complain of not having a PC. So they built some of spare parts from their college and sent it to me. But I get in kind of like, uh, uh, like not fights, but like with like everyone else on the staff played on PC. Right. And it's especially with like Brad, where he'd be like, yeah. How can you play, you know, Far Cry 3 and the Xbox 360? It runs like shit. I was like, Because I'm used to this. Because I'm used to it. Like, and this and this like, like 24 Dude, frames a second. A nice PC. Yeah, I was like, I can't afford, like, I can't afford a PC. Let me tell I, you, I'm not buying one for, like, not having a PC isn't for my health. Right. But also, I was largely a console person my whole life. I'm used to shitty frame rates. Like, Shadows of the Empire and the N64 right. didn't Looked run like that shit. great when it came out. <laughs> um, you know, can you evaluate the the uh, the you're burning all of the weed fields while Skrillex is is playing? You're telling me I can't do that unless I'm on a PC? Like, no, motherfucker, I can weigh in on this. <laughs> on the Xbox 360 release. And that's m- most people do right. not have money for a new console right now. And so the fact that the, this, this kind of shift towards the iPhone model, the, the Android model, you know, the, the, the rest of our consumer devices, uh, model <clears throat> makes a lot of sense for me and opens up things like I want Miles. I'm glad Miles came out and is playable on the base PS4. I'm, yeah. I'm glad that even though Halo is going to be worse, quote unquote, because it's going to have to run on an Xbox One. I don't, I don't think its don't problems are rooted fuck. in the, the Xbox One. No, what I saw. That is, that is, I, I, yeah, the, yeah. The, the part that ends up being tougher is, when the demands of putting something out that takes full advantage of these next gen consoles means building something that then you have a lot of extra work dumped on you to try to get it to run on these old systems that does right. have a cost um uh and but for me that's about scoping and scaling and being realistic about what you can do to hit that huge window and not pushing things so far that then you have people breaking their necks trying to get it to work on that launch console. But like opening that up for for people who do not have money, whose parents do not have money to get a next-gen console is great for the hobby and for the form because it means more people can experience this stuff, can engage with game design, narrative, all the other stuff that is not really nice lighting. And I like really nice lighting, but th- that's that's an argument I'd like to see developed more than a five-minute tirade I just went on, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Anyway, um, we take a break. When we come back, we can talk about some other stuff. Does that sound good? Unless someone else yeah. wants to sneak something in this first half. All right, let's take a quick break.
when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. And we are back with a guest, Matthew Galt. You're joining us. We can't see your face anymore, though, because you turned off your camera. Everything is just going straight. It's fine. We were doing <laughs> some, tech, some tech troubleshooting there. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm ready to... Uh, I'm I'm unclenched. I'm feeling good about the country, uh, at least for the next 24 hours. You know, we'll see how the rest of this week plays out. Uh-huh. And there's some great video games happening. Uh, is know. one of the good ones... Is it Assassin's Creed Valhalla? How do you... How, how is that one? Uh, I... Or were you just speaking more generally <laughs> than the segment we brought you on for? No, I was segueing like a master. Are you kidding okay. me? Okay, yeah. Um, I unapologetically love Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It's great. I think it's probably one of the best Assassin's Creeds. I, mean, I was trying yeah, to hold on. It. Let's back up. Let's back okay. up. Rank, rank for me. Go yeah. fr- from Valhalla back. Where, where where do you like where do you stand on the various Assassin's Creed? I don't know the last ten you know the last ten years. Where, the last kind of like <laughs> the last ten. Years, so all of the Assassin's Creeds. Uh, no, the first one was two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Yeah, two thousand seven. Yeah, we're outside of that window. So yeah. we're almost out of that window. I guess um, it's something like Black Flag on, like you know, like the last like like they've really kind of like changed things in this like past generation. But like there's like a big difference between like Origins and Odyssey in terms of like tone and approach. And right. I'm just curious, like where you fall on like those very those various ones. And like the Syndicate and uh, yeah, what was yeah, the yeah, yeah. French one? Unity. Yeah, Unity. Syndicate. Unity. That one, that, oh yeah. I hear that one's. I hear the. I hear the French one is actually surprisingly good now that it's been patched up and it looks really good. Syndicate was good uh, too. I like that one. I, okay. Syndicate was good too. I played Unity at release. I was very excited about it because. It's the French Revolution one. This is a period of history that I'm fascinated by. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the things that gets you into whatever your particular favorite Assassin's Creed is, right? Is how interested are you in this particular period of history? Right, sure. So I will need to go back and play Unity. I would put it low on my list. Okay. I know a lot of people love it now. Syndicate, um, higher? Syndicate is higher, but it's also the... Syndicate is the game where you can feel the wheels coming off. Like I, we've played this formula so much by that point that I yeah. can't, I can't the, bro- get the brother it. and sister were good. Like that's what got me through. Yeah. It was like, I liked, I liked the main characters a lot. A and lot of people say the, three was the one where you felt the wheels coming off though. Right? Like that's the other one where people are like, that's well, that, like that brotherhood. No, three. No, three just is, three. The one in the, the American uh, revolution one. Oh, yeah. well, the, know, the, the response to that was like, well, this was, this was overambitious. This had too much. There's that whole opening act where you're not even playing as Connor. They'll get this back right. Insufficient you know, this folks. Is, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, um, I, I like three. Wow. Yeah. I've right. heard some people, that that one has its defenders. Mm. Who are, like it's, it's badly misunderstood. <laughs> you and Steven Totillo out here just banging the Assassin's Creed drum. weird. Totillo can't like, <laughs> yeah. Totillo's out there being like, y'all, sh- y'all are sleeping on Rogue. 
You know, the one that feels <laughs> like it was put together from leftover assets from Black Flag and Assassin's Creed 3. Well, that's like his franchise. One. Like, everyone's got one. And, like, yes. I, I know, I, I should stipulate that, like, everyone has, like, a franchise that, like, whatever. You go to the map for, you you love all of them because you just uh-huh. love the formula. And for Steven Tatillo, Assassin's Creed is that one. So you end up getting someone who's being like, oh, I also whoa. have an AC, and it's it's Armored Core. And increasingly, <laughs> Rob also has an AC, and it's Ace Combat. Ace Combat. <laughs> we all uh, got an AC. If- what if from software made an ace combat? What if from they could do it? They could do it. They could do it. Because uh, Armored Core is already, th- that's the same game. <laughs> Fretz is the same. It's just that one has mechs and one has planes. And those are the same in, in operation. Right, we don't need anyway. one of those just got we, legs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so this, this is these Assassin's Creed games. Um, yes. Sorry. <laughs> so no, no, it's a, totally okay. So there's this new era of Assassin's Creed games that starts with Origins, right? Where they revamp the formula after Syndicate. Yeah. And so you have a rethinking of what an Assassin's Creed game is. Um, I liked Origins quite a bit. I liked Origins quite a bit mainly because I really loved the story of uh, Bayek, Bayek and, yeah. and Aya. Yeah. Because um, it's fundamentally a story, I think, about like grief and a divorce. It's like you are watching their relationship disintegrate as they pursue revenge across uh, Egypt and then into Rome. I thought it was fun, but it was also it had all the hallmarks of. Um, the stuff that I don't like about this particular iteration of the Assassin's Creed franchise, which is um, huge, aimless open world where there's all this stuff to do, but it doesn't really feel like there's any reason to go and do a lot of it. A lot of it's very skippable. Um, you know, one of the the examples I can remember from Origins is there's all these statues of Ptolemy kind of around that you can smash. Why? Because they're fun to smash. Because <laughs> it marks it on a map, and it's they, exactly because it was a mark on a map. Um, Odyssey. I liked Cassandra a lot, and I liked some of the systems they introduce. But again, it feels like this big directionless open world where, like, I don't know why I'm supposed to be going to these islands other than it's been marked on a map, and we have next to on the map it says like, "Hey, this is the area. Uh, you know, at level 100 to 130, this is where you're supposed to go." Mm-hmm. Right. So Valhalla, like, which is, by the way, holy shit, that's a huge level range. Oh, it's uh, uh just wait until you see Valhalla. It's okay. like, uh, yeah, this is another. If you wanted it to be two hundred hour game, with level ranges that go up to, I think it's two eighty. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, I'm loving it though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's good because I, I I felt so. The reason I asked was because um. I really like have liked a lot of the AC games. I played most of them, not a lot of the spinoff stuff. Um, and Black Flag is like probably the one that like I last like, like truly loved, like top to bottom, and wanted more of that good good ship stuff that they got away yep. from. But I played Origins and liked it. I liked the story of, of Bayek, but like it was just so done with like so much of the AC uh, crust. You know, maybe you could call it. Uh-huh. Um, and. I skipped or I skipped uh, Odyssey because of that. It was just like I can't do another one of these right after. I got to go. I, I need to play something else. So I'll skip this one and then I'll see what happens with the next one. And then like Rob and Austin and a lot of people I know like really liked a lot of like the Cassandra and, and a lot of stuff happening in Odyssey. And they're like shit, I skipped <laughs> the one I, I I would like. And then so then Valhalla comes around and I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of like 
not a lot of buzz for this one. Like, just I, I was so I was like not sure what to expect, where it was gonna land on like the spectrum of like Origins and Odyssey, and like those being the last two big ones, and those being similar but pulling in different directions, especially in terms of like player agency. So I'm like, yeah. curious where you landed between those on on Valhalla, and like which one it feels like it's pulling from. It's it's interesting because in, in a lot of ways it feels like it is taking all the stuff it. <sighs> It can't, I can't say that it's taking things and discarding others because it's taking everything. Yeah. All of the systems that have been, that have, they've been using in all of the Assassin's <laughs> Creed game games. Is what, exactly. What <laughs> all that stuff is back. Um, but what feels different this time um, is a more focus on player agency. Uh, it definitely feels like your Ivor is your version of this character and you're able to customize them and not only just customize them, but customize the experience they're going to have in this world, meaning that um, more than some of the other Assassin's Creed games, it feels very easy to just, I don't want to do any of this kind of mission, so I'm just not going to, and it's not really going to affect my time with the game or my gameplay. Is that um, because there's just so many other things you can go do, or are you pointing at something else? I, I'm just trying to unpack Yeah, that. it's because there's so much other stuff to do, and the game kind of allows you to pick and choose which of the paths, which of the content you want to do without it too much affecting the other gameplay paths. So huh. the way that this kind of func like functionally works uh, is you get to England, you start you start building a community. You yeah, so wait, can we just pause really quick yeah, yeah. who don't have it? You're a Vi Here's what I know. You're a Viking. Yes. Game starts in Norway? Question mark. Yes, yes. This is a game where I got the credits to roll for the the title screen at eight hours. By the way, a late title, the, an eight hour in late title card. Yes. Yes. That's ambitious. That I'm makes, excited I'm, now. <laughs> that's wild. I'm and so then you, <laughs> so then you go to England as a Viking. Uh, is there is there what's the premise other than you're a Viking? Is there more? To, you're are you're an assassin? Question mark. This is okay. So this or is, is this a game stuff about, embargoed. I don't know what the embargo shit is. I don't know what the. Uh, I think we're we're okay. We'll look at it okay. afterwards. But I think the stuff I'm going to talk about, I'm pretty okay, okay. To, to discuss the events of. Yeah. So there's a lot. So yes, there are assassins. You are not one of them. But okay, oh, okay. so. You are Ivor, either a man or a woman, or both, and can switch at any time with no consequence. The game's default setting uh, right. allows you to, it will oscillate between the two, depending on, like, where you are in the game. Is that uh, tied, is there a canonical reason for why it's doing that? Yeah, it's tied into Animus stuff. So it's like the person, so again, Assassin's Creed, you're in the, you're playing a character in the future who's jacking into the Matrix, who's jacking into yep. their own genetic history to time travel and see the events of the past. And is that, so what you're saying is sometimes those memories produce an Ivor who is uh, a man, sometimes they produce an Ivor who's a woman. It is not the case that Ivor was genderqueer and was swapping between gender presentation. Cool. It's that the memories are inconsistent Correct. on gender. The memories, yes, the memories are inconsistent about the gender. Correct. Okay. And so it oscillates between the two as the default or you can lock it in, or you can switch at any time. Just, what it's determines why would you uh, not not canonically, structurally, and kind of narratively? Is there a reason why certain segments encourage you to play as femme Ivor versus mask Ivor? Not that I can, not that I can determine thus far. And again, like okay. this is about forty hours in, uh, but it is just a menu setting. You literally yeah, just okay. go into the menu and flip the switch, huh. and that's it. 
So uh, you just have follow up on this because I'm so curious about it, especially yeah, because there's been so much so much conversation and like study in the last few years about the ways in which, hey, there were actually more women Viking warriors than historically were thought because, you know, we just assumed you know, for a long time scholars saw bones with weapons and just and said, oh, this is a, a man, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, uh, but but additional records and, and things have come out to, to challenge that. Are there if you were playing as a, a woman, uh, is that is gender even in the narrative in any way, or are you kind of a blank slate? Are you are you kind of just like a gender in terms of the structure and formal constraints of the game? Do you know what I mean? Outside of yes. characters gendering you in speech, G- uh, gender is like mechanically no, but uh-huh. gender is like a part of the narrative. Okay. Um, and it is very like, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't apply our gender politics today to what's sure. going on there. There's a lot of like, m- you know, masculine posturing, but like women are also a part of that masculine posturing. Sure. Um, there's a lot of uh, female Vikings, female Danes, female leaders. Um, so it's not, it's complicated. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's not, uh, let's say this. Um, I don't know. Th- th- this goes to something speaking. You know, this is a part, a larger part of the conversation that I think that's about this game. It does definitely feel like Ubisoft is trying to get at something here uh, that falls a little bit of flat because of things that are going on in the background at Ubisoft. Right? Oh yeah. Weird. Huh? Yeah. We'll talk, right? we, we should talk about that at, at, uh, during this conversation as well, to be yes. clear. Yes. But let anyway. me, but yeah, so, let me back so up and you're, yeah, go ahead. do the setup. So you are Ivor. Uh, you are a Viking in, in Norway. Um, you're part of a smaller clan. Your brother comes back after being uh, in the East raiding for years and years. And he comes back and he's got these two guys with him that are assassins. They look exactly like what you would think of as you know members of the ancient order. Um, and they say, hey, I brought these guys with me. Uh, turns out one of our clan's ancestral enemies is part of the Templar order, right? And we have to take care of that. Um, so <laughs> almost immediately or very early in the game, they pull you aside and they're like, hey, we have a gift for you. Here's the hidden blade. Uh, and Ivor takes it and puts it on the top of their arm. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It's like, well, you know, you're supposed to wear it on the underside and like cut off your finger. And they're like, no, I'm not I'm not making the same mistake <laughs> you did. I'm not. That's dumb. Why would I do that? That's stupid. Uh, so immediately there's this like break and they Avor is avowedly not part of the assassin order. Yes, they can take missions from these people and, and like go and hunt down uh, members of the Templar order. If you want to, again, you can kind of just not do any of that. But they are their story is very much about fleeing Norway for political reasons, hmm. establishing their own uh, uh, colony with their brother in England and spreading the Raven clan, as they call it, and like making alliances with different leaders and what they would call what they literally call pacifying England, uh, making it. Yeah, that's the okay. word that they use. Yeah, listen. It's, it's um, probably the word that, yeah, that's, yeah. that's appropriate. That is what is happening here, right? Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. So the, the bulk of the game story-wise is you interacting with Eivor, interacting with these different kings and other leaders of England um, and having leadership struggles on the home front with her brother. Um, and of course, the assassin and the Templar stuff is also on top of that. And there's other things going on. Sure. That's, that's, that's the setup. The home front being the 
territory they've grabbed in England right. or back in yes. Okay. Yeah, you come in and you establish, uh, you find an old Danish uh, colony where people had been run off. Uh, you come in, you kind of take that over and start to expand. Um, and so mechanically, the way this works is you get supplies uh, by going on raids. Um, you take the supplies home and then you build the different buildings and the different buildings you build give you access to different sets of activities. So if you want to unlock the fishing minigame and like all the fishing quests, you build the fishing hut. Um, if you want to, uh, unlock like the mythic, I don't know if you played any, but you played the DLC for like the origins or, um, Odyssey, Odyssey where they both have like some mythology to like, Oh, here's the Minotaur. Here's the right. Medusa or whatever. Right. Yeah. 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 So if you want to interact with any of that stuff, it's like you build the seer's hut and she will take you on like the mythic journey through Valhalla and all that stuff. Right. Okay. Um, and you, you, the only activity that you're like locked into is raiding, which is part, uh, which is the only way to get resources to build up your settlement. Okay. You have to go down a river in a longboat, find a monastery, uh, burn down churches and steal their stuff, um, which Viking. is satisfying. Yeah. You got to yeah. do Viking stuff, which is satisfying. Um, when Avor, uh, I, you know, I, I've got this in my heart cause I grew up in the South, um, in communities where Christians were very, uh, unkind and oppressive, uh, but when, when Eivor runs up a hill and says like, burn down Christ's houses and steal his gold, uh, and they start lighting thatch roofs on fire and monks are running back and forth. It's, it's fun. It's fun. It's, I know that's violent and I awful, say? But, I, but, I, but I like it. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. Um, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> sorry, sorry oh. about it. So you do that. You for, you're forced to do that to to get what you need to move on. Forced. And, uh, it sounds like golf. No, really forced is. to do it. <laughs> no, second. Ah, this, really walking right, the this game. Uh, <laughs> no, I love like, this. This is totally optional. We're all gonna say. Um, <laughs> so you so you're building up this base and doing and then and then uh, at this point is it just those past two games in terms of huge amounts of stuff to do across the open world, a main quest, a bunch of side quests. Um, I, I always it, got the impression. Go ahead. It is. It is very much all of those old systems from Odyssey and Origins, um, but it's just different enough that it makes things feel fresh. Okay. Um, well, one thing and, you brought up in your review is that one of the things that's really exhausted these games is that as big as the worlds are, there's no mystery to them because you just climb up the fucking tower and everything you're going to do is laid out there on the map and you know what it is. Like you look at the icon, you might not know exactly what that mission is going to be, but like, you know what it is. Yeah. It sounds like exactly. with this one, they've really tried to create the sense that the world is big, not just in terms of like square acreage, like not, not just in terms of acreage, but in terms of like possibility, like the, the, like it's mysteriousness it's discoverability uh, seems like a focus of this game. Yes. And so that, I, I think that's one of the big parts that's been driving me and making making it more fun for me than, say, like Watch Dogs Legions was. Watch Dogs, yeah. That's what's making it more fun with fun for me than something like Watch Dogs Legion was where you unlock the portion of the map and you just know where everything is. Right. You've just got all your little your your little stuff to go check off the box with this. Um, I know that there's the peak that I climb because it's an Assassin's Creed game. I get up to the top and I unlock a portion of the map. Right. But I don't know. It's just all these points of light. And, you know, by the color of the point of light, 
kind of what's going to be at the end of the at, at that point on the map, but not specifically until you get much closer. So it's going to be gold, which is going to be some kind of item um, that could be used for upgrades. It could be a new piece of armor. You won't know until you get closer to it. Uh, it'll be blue, and blue are activities uh, that could be a side quest. It could be a group of uh, like a crop of mushrooms on the ground that you take and like have a hallucinogenic experience. Um, again, you won't know until you get closer, or it could be a white dot, which are like tattoos, um, you know, uh, collectibles, scrolls. And so if you're just like, I don't want to go visit any of those white dots, that's fine. And also, um, climbing to those towers and hitting all those points does not reveal everything that's on the map. Okay. There's still hidden spots that you will have to go to and explore yourself. In order to so it's more just everything. like here's a reason to start exploring over here, but then we're still going to find th- ways to hopefully distract you. you yeah, know, on your, as you're on your way. yeah as you're on your path. And the mm-hmm. the way the side missions work, they're very very quick, um, which felt nice. So like an example is I was on my way to a quest mission, and I ran into a little boy in the street who was looking for his lost cat, um, and so I helped him find his cat, and I pet the cat, and then. The little boy is like, he runs from everyone else, but he came to you. You should take the cat and put it on your boat. It was like a couple minutes. It was done. That was it. That was over. And now I've got a, a cat. Uh, I've got a cat on my boat. You took a great. child's cat. Yeah, that child. You can't do that. That child isn't of I'm oh, sorry. Age. Was the child Christian? Yes, of course. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Okay. Cool. It's, yeah, it's it more pillaging. And worse, they were Saxon. So. Oh, yeah, okay. No good. It's no good. Uh, but yeah, in. Something about the side missions being over that quickly and feeling that like the you won't like you won't run into a side mission and then it get put on a list and then like, all right, I know I got to click this list. It'll tell me exactly where to go on the map to finish the mission. It doesn't do that for these anymore. You just kind of have a conversation with someone. I could have just walked away from that kid and just completely unfulfilled that. Um, And it wouldn't put anything in quest log. Counter argument. What if you really have to go do something else? You're like, I really want to help this kid. Is there a way to leave a mark on your own map to be like, I can come back and help that kid? The the mystery icon will still be there on the map. Gotcha. If you want to okay. go back and help that kid. Yeah. Okay. Uh, are you, at the end of that, could you, you said no to that cat? Are you making choices? Because one of the things I was going to raise earlier was this series, since Origins, has felt increasingly like they're trying to get a piece of that Witcher pie. And... And this I'm one, curious, and, and in some ways, building towards this tonally, aesthetically, you know, in terms of setting, you know, this is a hundred percent them trying to go in that direction. So okay. for that mission specifically, no. Um, I think once, that cat once I, cat. yeah, once that cat is my cat now. Um, I don't, you know, I actually don't remember if it gave me the option to just say no, you keep the cat. But I'm pretty sure I just took. I'm pretty <laughs> Could sure I was you say in. it never uh, crossed Galt's mind. No. Could you instead say, simply say, that cat is my cat now, and then take the cat without the kid offering it, for, perhaps? Um, no, but okay. there are, in many of the story missions, um, you, you, I did see that level of like distinction and choice about how I handled situations. Um, one of them, one of the early ones that I can talk about that I thought was very interesting, especially talking to colleagues who had also played the game, um, was there is a, uh, a Jarl, uh, you are trying to get her to join your side. Um, and she's got a problem. She knows that one of her three lieutenants is a traitor. She doesn't know who. And so the game tasks you with figuring out who this traitor was. 
Um, and it, it just said, it kind of vaguely says like, look for evidence in this place does not put the evidence on the map or make explicit like where it is. So you just kind of have to actually think about it. And um, like the way I, I, the way I figured it out was one of the first missions we had was I was trying to track down all of her lieutenants after a battle. So I tracked down all the lieutenants after a battle um, and I knew where their locations were after the battle had finished. And so when I was looking for evidence, I went back to those places where they were and was able to kind of back backtrack and see how they'd gotten there. Mm-hmm. And all of that stuff was like things that I logically came up with myself were not things the game was explicitly like telling me to do. Now go check for footprints. Now yeah. go look for the long ship. Find the find the yeah. smoke on the horizon. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It was like, all right, so I found this long ship that's painted in this way and has this poem inset inside of it. And I know that it's next to the area where this specific guy was when we found him. So he's mm-hmm. the traitor. That's like, interesting. Yeah, yeah, and, and at any point during that mission, like as soon as it allowed, like cut me loose to go look for evidence, I could have declared who I thought the traitor was at any time, and been <laughs> and been wrong, <laughs> right? Um, and like a colleague who I was talking to was wrong, um, but, but again, the the game continued on, and like that alliance is shaky, and that person is down soldiers, huh? Whereas I like I got the right person, uh, because I I took maybe a little bit too long because I was I was obsessively searching the areas because I really wanted to know for certain um, before I made the call because the game did a pretty good job of uh, throwing a lot of circumstantial evidence in and, like making sure. it all sound very very hazy um, but on top of that also that's not just there's those kinds of choices but there's also um, like there's all these undercurrents kind of running underneath the game like pagan versus Christian, um, the different kinds of leader a person can be. And there's a, you, you, it lets Eivor express different variations of that. Right. So one of the side missions I found was, um, uh, there's a woman crying outside of a, a shaman's hut. So my husband's very sick. He's the farmer of this land. We need, you know, I need blood magic to fix him. If I track the shaman down, she's in the fields, like in the process of ritually committing suicide. She's like, these fields are fallow. I have to, I have to use my blood to bring the fields back. Um, and so I was faced with the choice of either like telling the shaman, like, no, you've got to go help the sick farmer or leaning into the pagan side of things and helping her finish the blood sacrifice which I did because I'm going full pagan. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, and because of that, like the farmer died, but the fields came back. Um, and throughout the main story of the game, there are all of these little places where you're able to kind of express how, like Avor, your version of Avor having a distinct personality in seeing how she reacts to like leadership challenges. Um, there are moments that are very fable-esque where you like sit on a throne and like make, okay. make choices now between we're fucking talking, uh-huh. make choices Which fable between we talking yeah. though. There's, there's a fables, a spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'm talking about the good one. Fable three. Uh, wow. that's a joke. Wow. That's a joke. Parody satire. Wow. Fable 3's got some cool ideas, though. Yeah, Fable yeah. 3 has some cool yeah. ideas. Uh, yeah. But but that, you know, that thing where you, like, sit on the throne and you cast judgment between these two groups? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Um, you adjudicate. There are moments where you adjudicate uh, between uh, disputes in your community. 
Um, and so it, and all of this stuff all feels like it feeds back into building that community up and your own expression of who Aver is. Um, and that's one of the things I think was really missing from like Odyssey and Origins. There's like all this content that felt very disconnected from the main narrative to me. Um, yeah, like and, why is Bayek helping these people? I mean, I know he seems like a nice dude. Like I get right. it, but like there's no like there was no. It was just it was on the map. You went there, and then you just got wrapped up in a quest, and which is again, you know, that's how a lot of these games go. But especially when you had like a really strong character that you liked, it made the disconnect like feel even weirder where he's just like, come on, just give me like a, a little bit of bullshit to explain why I would be doing this. And I'd be, I could buy it better. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, and so yeah, it just all feels like it hangs together very well in this one in a way that it didn't in those other two games. And I, th- I think it's because you've got a character that is part of a great, a greater story is kind of disconnected from the overall plot of the assassins versus the Templars um, and is very much has their own goals um, and is telling a story. Also, this is also an interesting uh, part of it to me um, is because the historical record for this era of time is so uh, I don't know if patchy is the wrong word, but like incomplete and kind of uh, mixed in with legend and myth. It doesn't feel as tied down to history. Like there are historical figures here, definitely that mm-hmm. we're playing with. But the game, but this game leans into mis, uh, like mythic, the mythic aspects of the Assassin's Creed uh, more. They seem than like the they've been allowing elements. themselves. I, I didn't play, you know, like any of the DLC for you know Origins or Odyssey. You know, even after I finished uh, uh, Origins, but it seems like they've been increasingly trying to find ways to be like, man, just like. I want to put a giant snake in this game and like, <laughs> who, like there are kind of aliens in this universe already. Like just let a, you know, I, I don't know what the justifications are. Like, don't you visit, visit Atlantis in like one of the DLCs? And I'm yeah. like, that's cool. I would much rather play the game where they just find ways to just, which is why I always been like at some point, just like, just get away from like, who gives a shit? Like do whatever you want, like do what's cool. And it does seem like they've tried to like slowly over the course of each of these sequels to like find ways to let them just go wild and like just do more interesting things that are maybe not like as grounded, but are just cooler and who cares? (laughs) Yeah. And Valhalla definitely feels that way. There's a lot of stuff that's completely not grounded, but feels really cool. Like lots of legend, there's legendary beasts. Uh, you know, there's, um, there's a, the whole Valhalla subplot is, Absolutely wild Um, and very, very, very mythic. And yeah, it's just, it's good. I don't know what to say. It's a good ass Assassin's Creed. It's also um, a lot of games in one, really, in terms of just the experiences and like. That's right, because you you haven't played Odyssey, Patrick, so you didn't interact with like the Assassin's map thing at all, Mm -hmm. right? No, Uh, I just know that my, my, the thing I remember most from watching the footage that, that Rob I was like, I didn't, that combat spooked me. I was like, oh no, like, <laughs> it, it didn't look good. And I couldn't tell if Rob was bad or the combat was bad. I mean, Rob was playing over a stream. <laughs> like, fuck, you know, dude. I'm just, I'm, you said this yourself. You were like, you, like, I'm not putting words in your mouth. Uh, but like, it's a, you played these games for a long ass time. And that combat did not, you know, I can play DMC5 on like my PS5. Like, I have a lot of like really good action games to play right now. Like, there's a lot of good action. And that's always been, the problem with that series in general has been like the combat's like, eh, 
and it's gotten better as it's gone along. I don't, I don't, I'm just curious where you fell on, on this one. It's like, you're going to do a lot of fighting and it's like, am I better off being stealth because then I don't have to get in a skirmish or, um, you, did you enjoy the actual, you, hitting? because, because you are a Viking, you can use stealth to mitigate a lot of things, but be, you are at the end of the day, you're, you're going to get into fights and you're going to get into boss fights. Okay. Um, this <laughs> is a game that has like specialized, uh, specialized enemy types that you're going to have to learn the mechanics of and learn how to navigate and move around and deal with and also boss fights. Um, and it is better. It is the best the combat has ever been in the series, I think, but it does still feel, you can't help but say we're starting at a low bar and then we're just going a little bit of a rung. (laughs) Yes. Well, that's, 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 that is how it feels. The combat does feel that way. It's still like, I hate to compare it to something like Sekiro because it's just not in the same ballpark at all. Right. Just not in the same ballpark at all. But feel to like Ghost of Tsushima, which the other the other samurai game and also like the other big open world AC style game of this year. Yeah. And it's so funny because I fell so hard off of that game and I love this one so much. That game had great combat, though. Like I did Ghost for, you know, reviewing the PS5. And other than it taking like 20 minutes to remember, like how buttons work, like once I got back into it, I was like, damn. Like, I had a lot of problems with this game, and there's a reason I fell off it after the first island when, like, you two kept playing and was like, no, you're good. You can kind of just, <laughs> you got your fill. But yeah. that's always the problem with these games in general is just, like, where they, like, they excel in one area and don't excel in another. And it's like, we, you, you know, I wanted a better open world in Ghost's excellent combat. And it sounds yeah. like AC maybe has a better world and a better story, but, like, kind of, ugh. Combat, the, which I'm the, not shocked by, but you know, the combat the is the combat is better than Odyssey. It's not as good as Ghost. It still feels like loose. Yeah, well, you know. I like, had a question. One thing, like, do the weapons feel meaningfully different? Because this has been a problem for me, where it's like it feels like okay, there's two hand weapons and one handed weapons, but like beyond that, everything feels pretty samey in Assassin's Creed games, where it's like if I'm carrying a spear, it's real similar to like a long, like a big ass axe, like in terms of just the way it. I'm approaching combat. Yes. I think the weapons do. They do. They've done a much better job of making the weapons and your different builds into weapons feel meaningfully different here, especially because um, a lot of the diff- there's like 23 different sub enemy types and they're all pretty wildly different. So you've got, you know, several different kinds of archers that will sit back and attack at you. You've got a guy that throws firebombs. Um, you've got a giant that'll rush into the field and pick you up and throw you around. That's right. Um, and so if you've got certain characters at like spear point, um, it's, they're much easier to deal with, uh, then, you know, I, what I've been rolling with mostly is an ax. I'm dual wielding an ax and a knife. Um, and so the axe does meaty damage and then I can get in behind with the knife and do a lot of quick damage into the, uh, uh, everyone has a stagger bar, so you can work that so, stagger yeah. bar down. Yeah, and then initiate and then you get like a, a big super hit in, basically. Yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. And it, it it's it's better than it's felt in previous games, but it's still not up to the level of uh, a better like Ghost or you know one of these other games where you have similar systems and they feel tighter and better. Mm-hmm. So. Is that the is that the the kind of gist of it? Then more broadly, is that like. This hey. is a game of a small iterate. This is a game of yeah. small improvements, small iterations uh, that kind of come together to feel, make the make the whole thing feel fresh and new. It's still an Assassin's Creed game, though, but it does just enough and improves just enough 
uh, to make me like really like it. And Avor and the story they're telling, I think, are, are more interesting than some of the more the stories they've recently told. Do you think this is a game that would be a lot more excited about if Ubisoft hadn't had such a colossally like it's hard, mm -hmm. like kid like I don't this. think there's any game Ubisoft could release right now where it'd be like fuck yeah let's celebrate the shit out of this because like uh -huh. it is so clear there's a culture of rot and entitlement and nepotism and covering your buddy's ass uh like in a different context would we be saying like fuck Assassin's Creed really found a gear here that we haven't seen before but instead it's all kind of ashen yes 100 percent. because it does feel like all the systems that they've been playing with have been building to this moment and austin like you said they've been working towards this witcher thing uh you know aesthetically and gameplay wise um and they've hit it and they've hit it in this and it feels really good uh but you're constantly assaulted with this story that is a good story that repeatedly asks you what makes a great king what does leadership look like what how, you know, how do you lead and what does that mean? How do and you all redress I can, wrongs? How do you redress wrongs? And all I can think about in the back of my head is yeah. everything that's been going on at Ubisoft all year. And, yeah. you know, for Somebody decades. Got choked at a party and people were like, you didn't see shit. Uh -huh. Yeah. And like, I can't imagine the, the disconnect of like choking someone out at a party and then making like going and working on this Assassin's Creed game that is about what it means to be a wise and just ruler. <laughs> it's just so awful. It's uh, so awful. And that like makes it sour mm -hmm. in a way because you can't like, you can't avoid that question when you're playing this game. Well, again, we're talking um, literally about not the choke. I don't believe it was the choking, but the, the creative director of this game was yes. fired, right? Yes. Well, he stepped down. Oh, did he step down? Okay. He's, he stepped down when his extramarital affair became public, mm, I believe. Is so what the happened. quote I see here that they gave to Polygon was as a result of investigation uh, investigations. He Ashraf, stepped away in right. an investigation. And, and then he as a result of that investigation, it was yes. sort of like, Meh. Gotcha. The word okay. they use the is dismissed officially, dismissed from Ubisoft. So, and is no longer an employee. That's fired. That means they investigated something and <laughs> yeah. found something and fired him. Uh, you and know, then, you know. After, it, after uh, they should have, well, after uh, any sorts of sort of uh, complaints should have been dealt with uh, to begin with. Yeah, and, and this is the game person, in the world's longest. The Cossacks work for the Czar joke in, <laughs> so, in some ways, right? Where it's like, uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. If only a good king could find out about all these miscreants. Mm hmm. And yeah, and you're good. The the creative lead, the person who was the director, the person in charge of this game, the boss, the person where the buck stops, got canned right like a months ahead of its release. Right, the moment that he show he he's not going to be doing a victory lap because he's a bad dude. Yeah, um, right. And, and and we should emphasize the thing that I want to emphasize here is. This is not a matter of a few bad apples. Like, no, the, there has been, we said all this. Like, this is the thing that's so fucking frustrating. It's two weeks ago, we, you and I sat on a podcast and we said twenty percent of of uh, of folks at Ubisoft have reported is instances of of either sexual misconduct, 
uh, or or uh, situations that made them feel uncomfortable because of sex, gender, race, uh, 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 sexuality, etc. Um, uh, you know, bullying, bad work environments more generally. This is a, a, a structural problem that is producing and uh, and allowing folks uh, like Ismail to to continue to thrive in this in this environment. Um, partially because it's it's so corrupt at the top. You know, it was not only. Uh, like a one, you know, project creative director is already very, very high up. But it's also been people like Serge uh, Hassowet. Is that is that how you pronounce that last name? Yeah. Uh, who is like one of the the high the, was one of the highest ranking folks at uh, at Ubisoft. Uh, who was close to the Gimos, um, uh, who run the the whole joint. Um, we know from reporting that there is like a a miserable and and uh uh you know overbearing editorial board who who sweeps in again and again in projects to to weigh in in ways that that uh negatively affect team morale and 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 the projects themselves and we've heard so many stories at this point that indicate that it is not just replace these three people and work good it's get uh, and I'm sure there are people that are working on this to be clear at this point I hope because I know that the people who are living and uh, working under these conditions want those conditions to be better and believe that those people are taking steps. But it's hard when you know that the that this stuff is not just we hired one or two bad people. It's we have a structure that enables those people that that does not protect people consistently from their misdeeds. Um, and, and that, I think, is so much worse than than it could be in some ways, you know? Anyway. Yeah, they, they, they fired the head of HR – Right. Who, who which uh, let's be clear, the- we've been there. This is yes. part of the thing. <laughs> that exact we've, place. we've been in that exact place where the, the thing to do is not get rid of the people who have allegations. It's not just that you get you, you investigate those allegations. You get those people away. You keep people safe from the folks, you know, but then you have to address the fact that, the, yeah. that there are people there to make the company safe, not to make the people in the company safe. Which is is that's companies, baby. It but fucking sucks. HR cleanups always feel like the most I'm shocked, shocked type yes. move yeah. as well, because usually that, like, <laughs> it is the classic, you know, the prince executing the henchman who did all the dirty and yeah, right, being right. like, well, you know, I wouldn't have if I'd known. If I'd I known. would have done something, but this guy who was, you know, acting in my name just completely. <laughs> the person who I hired, yeah, to ensure and, I never got in trouble. Right. This weird. The HR to HR turned into this complete like black hole of like, how did these gloves get so dirty? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, and <sighs> what's the first thing you see anytime you boot up any Assassin's Creed game? Diverse team. A diverse team of, of many different, different creeds, view, per, yeah. different viewpoints. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And so every time I boot up this game and I see that, I'm instantly I instantly think about all that shit. That's like yeah. the first thing I think about. As much as I'm enjoying this game. That is constantly on my mind. Diverse teen, we, team overseen by a toxic frat boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But if, you know, if we wave uh, in, in like so much other corporate culture, if we wave things away, if we put the right label on stuff, you know, we'll, you know, then we can do whatever we want behind closed doors. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's Assassin's Creed for you. Um, I, it's hard to know. It's hard to know still for me how to deal with this. Like, I, I think it's probably worth me saying that out loud, um, because when you think of the size of these teams, it's so easy to to. It's so easy to either be the person who is like, I guess what I'm saying is, it's not easy. I find myself pulled in these directions. I don't want to give this company money right now until I believe that it's a clean house or an improved house. 
I also know that there are hundreds of people working on these games who the reason I'm upset is because of the ways in which they have been harassed and abused at their workplace where I want them to be able to do their fucking jobs. Um, I have a taste for big budget open world games. It's a genre I, I really like, despite the fact that like when I look at my top 10 list right now, none of those are on this top 10 list this year. And it's a bunch of little baby darlings. There is a junk food quality to big games like this that I that I really enjoy, especially when I'm like down and out. I finished Watch Dogs Legion. And was like, fuck, I wish there was more Watch Dogs Legion to play after giving it a fairly critical review. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I, I have various interests here that compete. And I, I as much as I want to be able to say... Like, no, we should boycott, blah, 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 because it feels good to say that. One, I don't know what the outcome of that actually looks like. And two, I know that most people listening who are already planning to buy that game are just not going to do that. And and also because we know that the notion of, like, consumer consumers voting with their wallet is, uh, like, a, 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 a sort of produced um, – tool of neoliberalism that encourages you to believe that you outcomes. can it doesn't change outcomes exactly. it's exactly what, it can do, what it can do is it can be a choice you should make because of your own moral yeah like i thing, I, right? I know recycling doesn't do shit for the like climate change but like still makes me feel good like there's a world where you can like say yeah just not right now and, and then you can you, say you fuck can, it i don't come, want to give these people money because i don't right. want to not because of an outcome right. change just because i don't yeah. feel good about it absolutely right. right so that's kind of where i'm where i'm in my in my mind i don't know i don't know how y'all feel about it though no i mean i when we were sort of working on the conclusion of that piece, like there was this part of me that was like, I am so sick of having the ultimate, um, like moral outcome be dependent on like, I am tired of the, of the, of the ethical questions uh, of products like this devolving upon individuals who have a buy or don't buy very infinitesimally small purchase decision. And that has to become a factor in their calculation about whether they get to play a fucking video game on a Friday night. Like yeah. that is to me absurd. Um, and not, not the drawing the personal line, but the sense that somehow it should come down to all of these consumers sitting a critical mass and being like, you know what? No more. We are going to we are going to get educated on the internal production processes of these studios that are notoriously opaque, and then we're going to make the decision whether or not these things cross our moral lines, and then we're going to act in concert to force that company to be good, even though there's nothing to stop the company from doing it. It's like uh, All Star Superman. You know, you could have saved the world any time, Lex. <laughs> you just didn't want to. Like yeah. that's what pisses me off so much is that it, like. That somehow it's the end user who has to click this like moral EULA and mm -hmm. say like, you know what? I'm cool with that. Bury those HR complaints. That's not what people are saying, but it's, I think, kind of what it's set up to try to implicate us in. Right, right, right. You've replaced systemic thinking and systemic, uh, systemic outcomes with individual action and that just doesn't map cleanly, right? Um, there's a, there's a, uh, and also like there's a, I, I, I confront this a lot because I think it is sometimes, if you listen to this podcast, easy to misunderstand or or if you're in these spaces, I should, I should say more broadly, if you're in game critic circles, if you're talking to people about games the way a lot of us talk about games, it is easy to overestimate how many of us there are and how much this is the norm. We could all boycott this game. Ubisoft wouldn't fucking feel it for a second. 
for a second. The biggest, you know, the I'd say you know, whatever, like the biggest video game podcasts in the world are 400, 500,000 listeners. Maybe maybe more than that uh, if you take listener really broadly to think about like people who listen once or twice a year or who listen maybe once a month, uh, you'll say a million. Th- these games sell millions and millions of copies over their lifetimes. Would it be felt if if a million people did it? Yes. Could you get 100,000 people to sign a petition to say they wouldn't buy it? That would be a huge success of a boycott if you could get 100,000 people to say they weren't going to buy a product like this. Oh, I think you can get 100,000 people to sign a change.org. But I get what you're oh, saying. Yes. Like, but, yeah. but could they would they go forward with it? Probably right. not. And if they but and if they did, would it would it help the people on the ground floor? I don't fucking think so cuz the the Bottom line would not be, hey, we got to really change these practices. I, I don't know. I, I guess what I would well, say is, if there was a if there was a worker led demand that was like, you know what, don't buy this shit. You're the people who are going to organize this. Yeah. Will you get behind us? I would absolutely do it in a second. Do you know what I mean? This is yeah. what I was gonna say. In a world where like Metacritic can dictate bonuses for people and like success is based on you know amount of things sold and not necessarily any sort of critical uh acceptance uh it could end up when it's not worker-led hurting people by being like oh you were on that thing that tanked we don't want to hire you right like it's it's a a fucking mess if it's not right but then there's the other half of my brain that is like and all we're doing is rationalizing go spend your 60 bucks on this game do you know what i mean like (laughs) and 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 i don't I, I because that's like that's a fair criticism of this line of, of of thinking because you end up falling into the like no ethical consumption under capitalism uh, is your go ahead to do whatever you want and I I don't think it's that so much as I think that this is one of those moments where you can talk about morality in a way that isn't utilitarian and you can talk about morality not as a, as a, a thing that you that you subscribe to only in in relation to effect. Um, uh, but also in in relation to or or to broaden the idea of of effect out right to mm-hmm. to being about like hey what does this purchase do to me how how does me how does opening up the possibility that I'm going to support whatever because I know that my personal choice does not necessarily impact something right. how does that begin to shape me and my other behaviors across other sorts of things. Um, uh, does it does it make it so that it's easier for me to put the blinders on in cases where my impact is noticeable and I can you know uh, collaborate with other people to have collective outcomes? Um, and I think that like any time that you're taking those additional steps to be very honest with yourself about that stuff, because yeah. again we all have those blinders. I, the, one of the things that's important to remember here is um, this is a story we know because it came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember what game it was we were talking about a few weeks ago. Um, it was, there was another really big game. Oh, Genshin, right? Genshin Impact, a game I'm really enjoying. And we talked a lot about the ways in which the monetization on that on that thing is fucked up and and the ways in which that it preys on people's, you know, with gambling addictions and people with, with poor impulse control, blah, blah, blah. We have no idea how that game was made. We have no it's a black box in terms of how the developers are treated. That that company could have the same problems Ubisoft does. We would not know about it. Square Enix, I have no I, Final Fantasy Seven uh, uh, remake was one of my favorite games this year. I can't t- tell you what the fucking company culture is. Square Enix. I bet my guess probably not great, uh, um, uh, but but that's a guess. Uh, and so there are ways in which there are ways in which what I want to be careful about doing for myself is falling into the gap of thinking, well, this is the one bad one, so therefore I should feel good about those other purchasing decisions. <coughs> and it just it's a lot to try to juggle, and and it, it becomes even more to juggle once you once you subscribe to the idea that. Everything you do as a consumer ends up being a potential moral good, when in fact, 
that is probably not the fucking case. <laughs> there is not a way for me to make moral. Yeah. Anyway. Well, and does that and does that exhaust your capacity to put your effort toward addressing like broader right. systemic? Because right. that's right. certainly I think in politics that is true, right? Like you are you are way better off trying to like to Patrick's recycling uh, question. Mm-hmm. Your effort would be better spent like trying to organize or lobby changes in like regulations around packaging uh, than it right. would be spent like painstaking making sure this miller light your, goes into the, the right yeah and I, and I think to a degree that's that's the boat but you got to do that other part you can't be like well i really wish i could uh i i, re- I just want to put it all into this one black shoot and just not worry about it anymore yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right you, if you're gonna do that and you're and then also you're like well the reason i'm doing this is because it really gets systemic change i would have to start late i would so i have to start uh, uh <laughs> just, lobbying for just the plastic saving industry. my energy fam <laughs> just i'm saving it up i'm gonna cast this in you know what I don't like? Garbage bags anymore. I just yes. look at this one garbage can. It's just I put that in the house. Just charging it up everything the in there, and then we push it out to the front. We push it out to the door, and that's it. And uh, yeah, eventually, all those hours and minutes I saved up, I'll I'm gonna get on the phone. I'm gonna get on the phone. I'm gonna talk to my congressperson. We're gonna make change happen. I'll you do it at I the need, same you time. Know what I need Congress to fix? I got a problem. So when we bought this house, okay, um, there we go. They. <laughs> They didn't give you a garbage can, and I bought a garbage can. Mm. And then, in the last four years, they said, you know what? We're giving y'all garbage cans. So now, on the side of my oh, house, oh. I have a garbage can. And wh- how do I get rid of a garbage can? Jam it in another garbage can. <laughs> <laughs> I also... I fucking Matryoshka the garbage cans, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do I have to put a sign on it to the garbage people and be like, this is this garbage can... Is garbage. Is garbage. Wait, well, is there garbage? garbage? Yeah. Hey, what... What's this guy all about? He thinks we don't know there's garbage in there? This is garbage? Yeah, no shit, bro. See? How do I? I'm going to have to come out there with like a, a flow chart. Players these days have strange names. Abbott. I've got, uh, when I moved in here, we had two garbage cans. Don't know why. Uh, but this is just your life now, Patrick. Yeah, you just got be there. When I sell the house, part of the perks is going to be an extra garbage can that's been here since the dawn of time. Oh, yeah. God. All right. I think that that's it for us on Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, any other final thoughts or questions here about about this thing? Seems like everyone's no. got their yeah. curiosity satisfied. Um, how do you know when you're satisfied with a game that's going to last you 200 hours? Right. God. God. Um, all right. Well, thank you for coming on, Matt. Always a pleasure to have you. Uh, thank, thank you so much for having deep me. Dive. Your review is up on the site, waypoint.vice.com. Uh, it is called, I'm looking at the bug snacks one. That one is not, that's not the right one. <laughs> Val- uh, Valhalla asks what makes a good king and a great Assassin's Creed. For that, for that note, uh, Patrick's review, bug snacks is more than catching weird bugs. It's a story of community is also up, uh, along with all the rest of our, uh, next gen launch coverage, which has gone up over the last week, including reviews of Astro's uh, Playroom, Spider-Man's uh, Miles Morales, uh, the PS5 is a newer, better PlayStation with some fun flourishes, and of course, Rob's uh, Xbox consoles are built to eliminate every other one of gaming's hassles. Uh, your review of, of the Xbox uh, series series of consoles. The Xbox series of consoles? Is that what we're calling the this? these two Xboxes, and I'm trying to get something to take one away. Yeah. And how do I say this is above an Xbox series? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, I don't know what you call the new Xbox to a degree. Cause like uh, at this point I, you have to say just series X or series S, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's what I've been doing. This also speaks to another one of my Xbox questions. One. 
is what does the secondhand market look like for these systems? Can you just wipe them and then give them to a store? Like, how does that all shake out? You must be able to, right? Yeah, I, I think imagine. so. You just yeah. wipe them and sign in a new user, probably. That makes sense. Just put it into one of those garbage cans. Just wait, <laughs> now <laughs> we're fucking talking. Yeah, just push um. it on down the line. <laughs> There's... The- this garbage, this garbage can is garbage, but this Xbox in this garbage can, not, not garbage. garbage. You can, you can figure yeah. out what to do. You with take that. that as the payment for dealing with this extra garbage can. Uh, um, we'll be back later this week to talk about some additional stuff. I know Kato, uh, you and I have both touched the new Umarangi Generation DLC. Yeah. I want to give that some time. What are you? Why are you holding up? A, what is this? This is the Godfall. This says this said this was the Godfall uh, official trailer music. This was not what I was expecting to come out of it, though. <laughs> it's a lo- uh, it's a looter slasher, so of course that's I was, what. I was trying to prep us for our Godfall. Our that's later this Godfall week. Godfall, yeah. Uh-huh. Our Godfall correspondent. Kato is going to have a Godfall minute. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, uh, what's up what's with Godfall this Godfall? week? By the way, Kato, can you give me the what's the latest on Godfall? Uh, you attack with the a sword. <laughs> Have you figured out which have you played uh, which Godfall, Kato? No, I don't have. That's a problem, Kato. You know, Kato. you had one job. There's loot out there, Kato. God damn it! And it's it's right. It's waiting to be slashed up. Which is to which is look, to redeem look, the, Rob, the Godfall me, code that you don't have PS5. yet. Then I can play Godfall. I thought we had other codes. <laughs> it's I don't have his PC code yet. Uh, okay. have it. Well, are there classes? I just, wanted to, I just wanted him to get ready. Are there classes in Godfall? What are you maining in Godfall? I can't say. I, I could talk to me at Thursday. Are you? Kind of start, are you, you know what Godfall. you should do? You should start theory crafting your Godfall character right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Sounds and good. Maybe like prepare a deck for us uh, to That'd present what you're thinking for your builds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, we yeah, just yeah. get you really. And your coverage right. plans. Game Pass yeah, just got a uh, Disney Plus. Wait what? What? Get a mu- you get a you get a month. A month. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Pump the brakes. Okay. Pump the brakes. Right. Okay. I just paid right. for that That's piece of shit. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, new Mando comes out. They I wait paid a for couple three years episodes. of it. What? 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 Yeah, before Disney, Disney Plus, Plus launched, you could you could basically pay half off if you just paid three years up front. And because of the kids' movies, I was like, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. That, sure. Yeah. You're Fair. you're in that yeah. one bucket where I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I watched <laughs> Cars. I mean, you watched Cars this weekend. Okay. Look, we're, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel for racing movies over at Shift F1. I see. Uh, and All so, right, that makes more sense. Yeah, now like, oh, it's going. Yeah, but isn't Cars just Doc Hollywood? Yes! Really fucking movie. yes! Yes! <laughs> I didn't think anybody else oh would know that reference. God. I was like, this is Doc Hollywood. And MK was like, what? And I was like, you have not seen Michael J. Fox's best film role? <laughs> the only unequivocally solid movie he's in? Uh, except, except for uh, you know, Back to the Future, but like that's. I was about to say. Like I thought we. I thought we. I thought we were veering towards a much, much weirder take from from Rob. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, like his, but his whole like as he's trying to put like Alex P. Keaton and Marty McFly in the rear view and try to right. um, like. Uh, Can Alex P. Keaton? Oh my god! Great character. Uh, we got to return yeah. to, Alex, to to Alex P. Keaton and see how he's dealing dealing with Trumpism. Is he oh, yeah. yet? Has the creator of Family Ties said whether Alex B. Keaton ever got out of jail? You, yeah, I'm sure he's a he's working on the Lincoln Project now. <laughs> yeah, Fuck. that's true. Alex B. Oh. Keaton, hundred percent a Lincoln Project guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. All right. We're going to move on to the end of this podcast. Thank you for joining us. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll be back with Godfall and Morangi. What else? What else? Is, is there any other big thing this week that we have to Fucking look destiny. forward to? Fucking Destiny. What's that? 
Is that like Godfall? That's not. Is that go, yeah? Go, is that an expansion? Yeah, Godfall? it's like Godfall Coming except later this week. Which? Instead of a slusher, it's a sh- uh, fuck. I forgot. God. See, yeah, slusher, slusher took over. There's nothing else. There's only slusher. Only slusher is slusher. <laughs> only slusher. Politics is just slushing just now. Slushing now. <laughs> what uh, what valor plate are you going to use in the new Destiny? Does that have valor plates like uh, like like no, Godfall does? Look, hey, no. th- this might be under There's embargo. Asp- I don't know. We can't aspects. tell about the valor plates yet. <laughs> is that like valor plates? What the fuck is a valor plate? Yeah, you're gonna find that, out. Gonna find is that out. Thing from Pokemon is that what you put into Arceus? You put valor plates. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang. I don't have a Destiny Two code for for Kato yet, oh but when God. I do, it'll be. It's tomorrow. You can get this. Where you can, is it? You can, uh, well, it's it games on it is Xbox. It, it was Xbox it? codes that Rob, Rob, and I got, and Fuck. N- none for you. Damn. So. What you don't know is that Randy Pitchford is a sadist, and he just enjoys no, torturing I, you, Kato. I knew that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. These valor plates look cool to me. Twelve legendary armor sets called valor plates. These look. Let's, you know, that one's a wolf. That one's like a Wolves phoenix. Cool. It's got some cool designs. I don't think it breaks them. I'm sure that I could say the things I like I've a, seen I like, in the game have been in a trailer. It's got some cool designs. I it's think it has been very claw. funny to see. It is not just us who are working ourselves into a shoot to use some wrestling terminology <laughs> on 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 uh, Godfall. As it gets closer, people are like. Yeah, I could do with some I mean, high actually, fantasy loot bullshit right now. Do, uh, I said, let's get to Thursday. <laughs> let's get to Thursday. What I'm saying. We're going to talk about Godfall. Uh, yeah. We're going to talk about uh, other games. Maybe maybe some Destiny. What we talk, talk. about when we talk about what we talk Godfall. about when we talk about Godfall. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, I'm Austin Walker. You find me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Rob? Uh, you can find me at Rob Zachney. <laughs> Looking at valor plates. <laughs> hmm. No, he's at the Doc Hollywood Wikipedia page. Production notes. He's at the Alex the Alex B. Keaton fan wiki. Uh, Patrick Klepek, how about you? Uh, you can find me at uh, Patrick Klepek. Also, I have a, as of this morning, uh, have a feature up on their remastering the first season of Sam and Max. A bunch of oh, ex- cool. Telltale folks got together to. Uh, released that on PC and Switch in early December. Uh, it looks uh, really cool, and it's uh, the features with uh, the folks, some of the folks putting that together, um, kind of about what it's like to revisit a, a game 14 years later. And specifically, we spent a lot of time talking about like your temptation to change things and, and alter uh, uh, things when you're calling it a remaster. And you know, with Demon Souls coming out. Later this week, just, you know, I think it kind of fits interesting in that conversation because they actually went back and changed, like, comedic timing and other other bits of that game that they think um, work better in in, in retrospect. So, uh, that oh, is, so that it's is not just uh, – that's interesting. And it's the same – is it some of the same people? Is it – Yes, it's all folks that worked on the original uh, season, but they also drew a line in the sand um, that they mostly tried to, to um, adhere to that was don't change things that you didn't work on. And so okay. if you were uh, – they, they specifically spoke to like there was an instance where there was a puzzle where you get some like psychic powers in that first season and there's a puzzle involving like a spoon you can bend and th- I forget the details. Who- but basically like the, – the, the, the way that like spoon like resets itself when you come back into the room doesn't make a lot of sense and isn't communicating to the to the player to the best of like maybe what it could. But none of the people that worked on the remaster worked on that like set dressing. And so they talked about different ways they could try and skirt around it. And then eventually just said, nope, like 
That's what they did originally. Leave that alone. Huh. Whereas like Jake Rodkin, who like did the whole interface for the first season of Sam yeah. and Max, was like, I worked on this. I fucking hate this interface now <laughs> and completely redid it. Um, oh. So that's like kind of, or like a guy who didn't do modeling, um, but was tasked with doing a bunch of models for Sam Max season one is now a pretty good modeler. So we got to go back and do his <laughs> models again. So it's like an interesting approach yeah. to um, who is publishing something this? Like who, that. who? What's uh, they bought the rights. They just straight up got, oh. got them out of the, the fire sale. So this is That's not sick. part of like the zombie Telltale Games that is maybe doing the you know Wolf Among Us season two. I, I don't exactly know what the deal is with that new weird Telltale. Oh, um, so wait, but this is go ahead. You finish this. I'll, I'll come. Yeah, back. They're, they're, they're their own. I think they're called Skunk Ape Games. Um, and they own it. Like they own. Like they are owning the rights to their to. Sa- they bought the rights to Samex season one. They own the rights to that. They're publishing it um, on their own huh. um, for for PC and and Switch. Sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, Jake Jake Rodkin, friend of the site, um, mm-hmm. uh, formerly of Idle Thumbs, release a new re- podcast. You please. Power. I'm begging you. I miss them so much. Um, he's still at Steam. or still at Valve, right? Valve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah, like he a side project. Various- yeah. Okay. And, you know, uh, so yeah, this is something they've been doing on the side for like the last, I mean, like it's been like two years since the project sort of started. Sure, sure, know, sure. Where, um, they acquired the rights, but I think it's mostly been about a, a year. Um, the last thing I'll say is like the, it was interesting for them to talk about. Um, they originally were just going to acquire the rights, put out a patch that fixed a couple of bugs, let it run on modern hardware. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sam Max Season 1 was built on the original Telltale tool. They're like in-house proprietary technology, which has famously always been like a total mess, but is apparently in a kind of a decent place now. Um, they would have had to uh, create development boxes for themselves running on Windows XP because the original Telltale tool will not run on modern like Windows hardware. So they would have had to <laughs> had development environments on old, unsecure versions of Windows. So then they quickly <laughs> realized, well, let's put it on the new Telltale tool and so they like ported it to the new telltale tool but none of the lighting came over so the game had to be completely relit so you start to see how they went from uh let's just like let it run on new machines to well if we have to do all the lighting again well then why wouldn't we do xyz and so i think it looks really gorgeous i remember liking that first season quite a bit mm-hmm. and not playing the other seasons even though i've heard the, se- the second and third seasons got that's where they like really found their footing um um comedically and uh, so anyway, yeah. So I've got a feature up on the on the site right now about that that you can check out. Cool. We'll go check that out. Kato, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, Playing God, sitting in the tower, waiting for the lights to go out. Kato, should I go get? Is there is there still time for me to go get like a gun that I didn't get, like a cool exotic? Yeah. In this last day, well, especially you got you got those two. Uh, you got Outbreak Prime and Whisper of the Worm that are like twenty minute missions. You can get those. You just have to complete okay. them, and you'll get the gun. They are Those kind of are the difficult. two that literally in another chat right now yeah. uh, that I'm in, two of my friends literally just said the Whisper and the OP yeah. are both, are I both know. worth yeah. it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. They okay. are worth it and they are easily easy to get in like an hour or so. So, um, yeah, if you're listening to this today. before 10 p.m. Eastern, you, uh, there's going to be. You can get them after today, right? You just have you, to spend resources or something? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be like a new system where basically there'll be a kiosk where you can go buy them with for a bunch of resources, but it's just like one of those resources will... You can't so take much. kiosk without making me think of like a mall kiosk where they're saying basically like sunglasses, is, fake right? SNESs, like watches on the counter and be like, I need new batteries for these. And hey, uh, do you have that like, gun? You got that haunted <laughs> sniper rifle? Can I get yeah. the, that one? Yeah. No, 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 no. The, oh, the, that one. That one. 
Um, yeah, and like the resources you'll need, like it's supposed to be like a lot to kind of make up for the fact that you're not doing these long quests anymore. It's I like got the you. Same I kind got of you. like value. Okay, well, I'll look into that. Maybe that's a fun way to kill a couple um, hours today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, uh, but well, uh, that's worth noting, and this should be out by then. But 10 p.m. Eastern tonight is when the downtime starts for the whole, like until Beyond Light happens, and there's supposed uh-huh. to be some sort of event at the end in the tower. Uh, okay. Kind of similar to the Almighty event. Are the lights where, really going out on the tower? Like uh, the something, the- yeah. Like that's what that's the Darkness phrase they arrives. use. So, bro, they should fucking wow. kill the traveler. I'm just gonna say it's it. not gonna happen. Attack and dethrone the traveler. Uh, the traveler's gonna it get better. The traveler's about to get better know, because it's just an egg. It's, and know, it's, 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 it's parents soon, are dude. here now. <laughs> Oh wait! So we is there think a dragon inside. That is what we think. That is a hundred percent. That is what I think. I do think a that dragon. That's true. All right. Yeah. What? Yeah. I don't think it's Destiny, a dragon. Why, don't you don't act think it is? like apoplectic. No. Like, oh, what do you? What, what do you, you mean, guys? Is? <laughs> what do you mean? What Obvious. Do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think it's an Ahamkara. I think it's. What a, do you think it is? It's a pyramid. I think it's a pyramid. Oh, it's a new pyramid inside the egg. I yeah, got you. Hundred percent. Okay. Which is, the pyramid okay. is also the a dragon. Why can't the egg moon thing? Because it has to develop into being the next form that it is. All things yeah. change in time. Right? It's got to evolve. Yeah. Guys, we're keeping a Galt <laughs> Yeah, on purpose. On purpose. I'm just sitting here thinking about Yakuza. <laughs> we, I don't have time. Oh, I remember something about Yakuza that I want to yell about really quick. Yeah. Which is, I brought this up last time. I, I haven't played much more, so I can't like go deeper. Into it. I'm only like 12 hours in or something of what is probably a 60-hour game. Last time I was talking about the ways in which this game wants to address like societal issues, but I didn't mention part of the reason why it all falls flat for me is it also makes jokes around them in the combat system where like one of your characters is a homeless guy who was like a home. He was a nurse. Now he's now he's homeless. Uh, and that is like a, a key part of the story. It's like, again, there, there's lots of like in-game conversations about what it means to be homeless, why people are homeless, blah, blah, blah. But then, and you know, it's like, hey, these people have dignity in their way. And like, the, you know, this is not a personal choice and blah, blah, blah. But then all of his attacks are like, he has real bad breath because he's homeless. <laughs> like all of it is played for comedy in a way that's like, yikes, you can't do both of these things. You not can't great. be like. Like uh, one of his attacks is that he or one of his moves is he can self heal for 90 HP by quickly throwing down cardboard wherever he's standing and taking a nap in the middle of the street. And it's like, oh, this this isn't it, guys. You can't do both of these things and expect me to believe you when you say that you believe that homeless folks deserve better. Like it doesn't land anyway. I just needed to bring that up because if I didn't or it's more like. You, yeah, you you end up portraying a world where like obviously being homeless is fucked up, and if, it would be great if these people didn't exist as a class. Mm-hmm. Like is where you begin, like you know, pushing with that with that line of humor, right? Yeah. See, I'm such a yakuza baby. You know what I was thinking about? What's that? It's like, man, the Japanese audio track was so much better than the oh, English. Oh, so dub. much better. It's very. It's, it's much better. It's night and day. I switched over to that last night, and it was just like. And I'm not like, a subs over dubs guy generally, but it's so much better. I had to do the same thing. Yeah, his the the voice actor for the main character is for Ichiban is yeah. in the English dub is not great. He doesn't he doesn't sell it. It's it's no. rough. Anyway, we forgot about Ace Combat Seven. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, Patrick's you'll leaving. Be, you'll be excited. Can we get to hear your F thirty five thoughts? Uh, have you, so uh, you might think. <laughs> That like jet fighters are expensive and like multi-million dollar tools of war and such. But I think one of the really interesting things in Ace Combat Have is you met that the in this dog world, yet? uh the Strange Rail, uh 
the the oh I meant the dog. Let me tell you, something bad happens with that dog. Everyone's like, ha ha ha, the dog. Mm, that dog is like a harbinger of tragedy. Right. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Patrick. Uh, so as a child of the American Empire, you probably look in that 14 and you're like, that is a sophisticated multi-million dollar weapon of war. Uh, these things are precious. Uh, this is a hell of a podcast. In the world of the Strange Real, uh, these things are basically like Moisin Nagant, uh, like bolt action rifles. Like just there's endless numbers of these things. That's and how Patrick thinks. He does make them, that sort of comparison all the time. Yeah. And the pilots who fly them are just are just grunts, basically grunts of the skies. And uh, one of the really interesting things this creates is that you begin making a really like uh, almost anti-war, like platoon style story Mm. about jet fighter pilots. Like it's it's as if like like despite the Top Gun aesthetics, you are in sort of the movie platoon of like a Vietnam era anti-war movie where it's like this is all fucked and they don't care about us. Uh, and so over the course of Ace Combat 7, you are basically just thrown into this meat grinder and like the entire cast of characters you originally meet who are part of this like penal battalion of pilots yeah. who are serving out their prison terms. Uh, and being given warplanes to do that with. Yeah. Uh, just what? basically ground into powder uh, right. over, the, over the course of these missions. Uh, and so it becomes a much more interesting text. Uh, then you might expect from a game that appears superficially to just be like Top Gun was cool. I you like think the jet fighters. You think it has more or less to say than the Sega CD FMV game Tomcat Alley? Oh, I never played that. You should look at you. Was, that, tell you was that also a, a you know, anti-empire? Uh, I, you know, I don't want to speak for you or for the creators. Uh, I think you should just go look up a playthrough or honestly, you should get yourself Here, a Sega some CD. Videos right now. Patrick, stick around. Um so, <laughs> Patrick? <laughs> Patrick, you know, we should say we, we should save the Tomcat Alley bit for Patrick. I know he's a yeah. big fan. So uh, we'll have to do that on Thursday's show, Friday's show. Um, uh, thank you again for golf for joining us. Where can people find you on the Internet? I'm at at M-J-G-A-U-L-T on Twitter. Oh, that's and a good rhythm to it. Thank you. That's good. That's good to say. Um, thank and, and you were going to shout out something else really quick. Uh, can I shout out my podcast? Yeah, I of do course. That? Is that a thing I can do here? Yeah. I run a national security and defense podcast called Angry Planet. And if you type that into the podcast places, it will appear. That's a good name. That's Have you name. considered doing YouTube videos where you're an angry NatSec nerd? Uh, where it's like Matthew Galt, Angry Planet, and you're like, Matt Galt is pissed at the F-35. <laughs> and you just get I've got like, like a, a really angry. There's aggro. a little... Yeah, there's a there's an emoji in the bottom left hand corner with like the nuclear explosion coming out of it. Right. Trump did what to our Kurdish allies? <laughs> and all I do is read uh, like a New York Times piece and get mad about it. And I'll <laughs> no, that's just, that's five, just every day around these parts. Yeah. And I'll release yeah, well, five 10 point. minute videos every day. Incredible. It'll be, it'll be gangbusters. Can't wait. Uh, all right. That's going to do it for us. As always, you can find everything we do. Twitter.com slash waypoint waypoint.vice.com. Uh, as always, thank you to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You up to EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that. Waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Is that it? Is there anything else? Is there anything else to shout out? I think that that's probably it for us today. I hope everyone has a good week. I hope this week's energy is better than last week's. Uh, and until Friday, as always, fuck capitalism. Go home. To the dark blue.
when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. <laughs> I'm truly fond of your Ace Combat like uh, renaissance here. It's a good game. It's a good it's, game. It's just a good game. I, so what I said, remember what I said this when, we first, when I first played it last year is just like, it's cool to play a game that is structured in this way. That is like, here's a fucking mission. Run the mission. Check out a cool cutscene. Learn about this world some more. Do another mission that has a cool gimmick. Is because it and this a you game know what I ass mean? game? It's a game ass game. They don't make them like this anymore. No, and it's like, it's just like. <laughs> It's like champagne at this point where I'm like, oh, I accumulated enough points to buy the better weapons. Okay, I will try this on the next mission. Oh, this totally. game is so much easier now. It feels yeah. awesome. There's a progress curve. The numbers go up. Yeah, uh-huh. It's good. The numbers go up, but not in the way they do in like Destiny where it's all numbers going up. It's And yeah. everything is open and, you know, this is discreet. Like, it's good. Anyway. How y'all doing? Good. Last, uh... Probably nice day of the season. Seventy-five degrees today. Seventy-five. God yes. damn, it's sixty something here. We had, yeah. We, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Whatever this last like final wave of warmth I was talking yeah. to a parent in the park. It was like it's whatever it takes chips a week off the winter. You know, yeah. I like totally. winter. I I normally like part of the reason I was excited to come back to the Midwest was I like seasons. I hated losing that out in the West Coast, but this winter is gonna fucking suck, and so. <laughs> It can, you know, it can eat shit and climate change can take over for a couple of months and then we'll go back to fixing it. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. Um, You want snow pants, you should buy snow pants. They're already selling out. I'm good. I guess I don't know. There have been years here where I've been like, I wish I had snow pants, but I had them up in Canada and... It was really snowy, and I still barely use them. So they're a pain in the ass. And they don't feel pain good. in the ass. They don't. They're a pain in the ass. They don't feel good. That's the truth <laughs> like, of it. Isn't it feels worse being drenched in water when you roll no, around okay, in the snow. So, <laughs> mm, okay, uh, that feels worse. When you roll here's the real. This is this is amateur stuff, Patrick. How did you live? How did you live in the Midwest for like half your life? And you haven't figured this out. Wow. Okay. So the thing is, you wear long underwear, and you uh. wear like jeans or canvas pants they form a crust of ice basically like you stop getting you're not sitting there soaking wet in water you're dry your pants are crusted over and you're fine it's like you have snow pants this is this is the way you play it this is a okay yeah you know what i guess i guess in in the situation where you refuse to get snow pants pants. (laughs) an ice man this is gonna happen whether or not you like it's it's not like i'm saying like there was an ice episode (laughs) this past week Oh my god. Me out there draping like covering pants in water and like draping them over my back porch railing. Yeah, I'm making them like ice proof. Hours. Yeah, He's ready for walking. Rob's oh walking god. around like a uh, you know yelling at people who put on their snow pants. You don't have to do this. This is a new ad read. I thought maybe we got a new sponsorship with some sort of get the crust. Get the crust. All right. Time dot is the website. <laughs> 
25 seconds. All right. I got. Hold on. I gotta close the door to my. Yeah. I have no socks. <laughs> what? Oh, did Patrick have particularly good socks on? I got okay. said no socks. Oh, no, no socks. They said, wow. "Look at those no. socks." I thought you said, <laughs> "No, this is socks." It's also socksless. Yeah, it's nice out. The glory right, right. of the final of heat wave is the dad sandals can live yeah. on for yeah, yeah. another <laughs> week and a half. I we went on like long walks. Hell yeah! This weekend, yeah. several miles. You know what was on my feet? Goddamn sandals. sandals. <laughs> yeah, sandals are great. Let me tell you about sandals. It's fucking the best. I'll wear those to fall every year. A couple, I don't care. Um, I, I was uh, uh, last year. I was. I don't know. I had these specific pair of shoes that, like, no matter how many times I tied them together, just. Wouldn't wouldn't just wouldn't stay tied. And Katie's like, you know, you get shoes that just don't have, you don't have to tie them. You, you just, just kind of slip them on, yeah. and they're just yeah. like uh-huh. outdoor shoes. And I was like, that's break this iPhone. Buy me three pairs of that, please. And <laughs> those that changed my life, oh, man. What did you get? Uh, I don't even know. They're just nice. I talked to my wife. She bought them. She's like, I got this. I'm gonna go get you those nice shoes. Okay. And she bought yeah, me I, uh, shoes. Are they like, match like all my the... shoes? Oh my! Oh my! Yeah. Clothes. I bought the um, like LL Beans, nice like all weather slip ons, and just mm-hmm. life changing. I'm just like, it is because you got a dog, and it like yes, the six dog in the part morning, is huge. You're like, yep. I can't confront this shit. Mm-hmm. I just need to be able to just like throw these on and take this fucking animal outside. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, uh, 